Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Exceptional Scribble Show. This is episode number 69. We are coming to you live from TalkShoe.com, which is the server of the Internet Radio Talk Show. And, again, this is the Exceptional Scribble Show, ladies and gentlemen. Our start time, of course, is 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And tonight is Tuesday, August 4, 2015. First and foremost, special acknowledgments. First things first, we want to say and publish a happy birthday to the United States President, President Barack Hussein Obama. Yes, yes indeed. He has just celebrated a new age on today, August 4th year 2015, and we want to say that we hope that he is having a very happy, healthy, and prosperous Earth Day slash birthday. Yes, indeed. Um, And also, I want to issue out a birthday shout-out to everyone who is celebrating a birthday, a birthday slash Earth Day (laughs) on this day, August 4th, 2015. Um, Each day is a gift, but our birthdays are very special. They mark the day in which we arrived here on this planet we call Earth. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're celebrating a happy birthday or if you're celebrating a birthday, Maybe you're not happy today, but it's your birthday. We want to make you happy. So we hope that you're tuning in, and we hope that something that's said or something that you hear over this broadcast tonight, that it will lift your spirits and give you a reason to smile. Because, yes, it is your birthday, and you should be celebrating it with glee. So I'm going to do a little something right now uh, for everyone that's celebrating a birthday today. And this is just a little uh, gift from me to you, letting you know that we care on the panel of the Exceptional School Show. It matters to us that your birthday is fun and that you are having a happy one. So listen and enjoy. I'm going to play a happy birthday tune for you. Here we go.
Happy birthday. Everyone celebrating a birthday today. And I do hope that it is very, very, very special as well. Yes, indeed. And many more. Many more. Many more. We're hoping that you will live a full life and whatever your dreams are, your fondest dreams, that they do come true because I'm sure that they're pleasant ones. Okay, without any further ado, now is the time that I turn the spotlight on to the feature artist in the spotlight tonight. Yes. There's a special guest on the platform tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to give you a little brief bio about him because he doesn't really require me to give him an introduction. He can do that very well himself. So what I'm going to do is just turn the spotlight onto him and with this brief bio kind of help you to prepare yourself to receive him because yes he is an artist and many among many other things so without any further ado i'm going to present to everyone the feature artist for tonight in the spotlight the feature artist is published author and award-winning poet author Philip Barian. Philip Barian earned. Oh, I'm sorry. Philip. Hello. Yes, yes. I'm just going to do the brief bio and then I'm going to pass the mic on to you and then you can introduce yourself, okay? Okay. So I'm going to give you some more time. Uh, to kick back and relax and prepare to do what you love. Philip Berrien earned special honors and respect for participating in several online poetry contests where he received two Editor's Choice Awards from the International Library of Poetry from 2005 and 2007. His other poems were acknowledged and even received much buzz from the Famous Poets Society where he received award-winning plaques with official gold seals of excellence from the top head chiefs and editors. Philip was also presented the gold seal certificate of excellence, and another well-talked-about poem was listed in Celebrate Created Communication, Poets Speak Out, year 2007. The poem that received special honors is entitled A Man. So, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I am presenting to all published author Philip Varian. Welcome to the Exceptional Scribble Show tonight, Philip. Hey, Francine. I will, and I will first want to say thank you so much for the introduction. And I will say this that, um, you know, just by you know, hearing, you know, your voice, you know, I feel like I'm in the presence of you know, grace, purity, and intellect. Oh, my. Thank you. Thank you. I receive that, and I receive it in the kind soul and spirit that it was given. 
and I bless my maker, who is the creator. I'm uh, humbled to receive such an um, acknowledgement from you, uh, Philip. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. And, I also, and I will also like to give a shout-out first to um, my mother, Pastor Mary Berry, and my sister. I also want to give a shout-out yeah. to, um, you know, uh, my friends at Hudson Dockey, you know, Alberta and Johnny Kuhlman. And I definitely would like to give a special shout-out to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, we can't do nothing without him. And I definitely would like to give a shout-out to um, Mr. Um, Jerry Royce because um, one thing I will say about Jerry real quickly is that I remember when I first did my first interview, you know, with him, which I still have it in my archive, and he was the one that really, really gave me um, – you know, my stardom, and he didn't make me um, a member and a family member of his um, show, which is called Positive Power, you know, 21. So I definitely have to give a shout-out to him for giving me the, um, the platform and also give a shout-out to other, you know, radio hosts in which I had the privilege of doing the interview with. I can't name all all of them at once because we don't have time, but I want to give a shout-out to them too. Excellent, excellent. And in the spirit of giving shouts out I have to give a big shout-out tonight to... Steven Rodriguez, who has joined us, he is the um, one of the executives of the No Notes Show, and we are honored that he is joining us tonight. He's in the chat room, and he's uh, glad, as he always is, to help us um, promote our shows weekly. Uh, we do want to thank him and the No Notes Show because they have been very supportive to us since the very beginning of the Exceptional Scribble Show. I also want to give a special shout-out to Born to Write, poetess Lydia Cook. She is with us tonight. And um, we're going to conduct the exclusive interview hour in full at this time, but I'm going to take a break after about, i say, 10 or 15 minutes so we can open the mics and I will then... Uh, welcome all of the callers that are calling in so that they can speak. The mic is being returned into the hands of the feature artist at this time, Philip Berrien. Yes, and I thank God for the opportunity. You know, God is still in the blessing business. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, and Philip. I'm sure a lot of people are probably wanting to know this, uh, the answer to this question I'm going to ask of you. What age were you when you first discovered your gift to write? Well, um, Francine, um, I first discovered the gift when I was able to write when I was back in um, elementary school because I remember um, you know, back in the day, you know, I just liked to write because you know, that's mostly what I was you know, capable of doing. And I remember um, I used to write to um, a lot of um, celebrities in the back. And that's when I was in, uh, I think, the fifth or sixth grade. And that's when I really, really discovered that I had a, um, a writing ability because we were sitting down writing thoughts. You know, thought, you know, you know thoughts are just like um, imagination. You know, it'll take you to wherever, you know, you want to go. And, you know, just by, you know, sitting down and practicing the skill every day, you know, I really, really became, you know, a master writer. I know people always say when we become a writer, it takes years and years, but my whole uh, philosophy is that when God gives you something that's already been predestinated, then he's going to take you to wherever it has to go. So that, that's that's where I actually got my starter from, just by running to different um, you know, celebrities and collecting, um, you know, autographs. And from there on, I started to build upon that, you know, to do, do something different. But that was many years ago. 
Okay, okay. And again, what age were you? I just want to make certain that everyone heard uh, the age, the number, um, when you first a, discovered the gift to write. I was about uh, 12 years old. Okay, you said 12? Yes, when I was back in, when I was back in uh, the fifth grade. Okay, in the fifth grade. Awesome. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. Being 12 in the fifth grade, did you find that writers were looked up to as being cool or special, or were you finding that a lot of times your peers, they tended to mock you and say, what's good about writing, why do you like it so much? Um, What was your experience like as for your peers and their reception of you as a writer? We know some friends seen them happy ask that question. I want to make it clear to everybody. Um, when I was actually in um in elementary school, you know, I really, really never um, you know, considered myself, you know, being around, you know, so many people because it's like you know, when God sets you apart from everybody else, he sets you apart for great things that he has from you. So I really so I really never was around, you know, you know, people that's you know, to mock me on the other stuff because I was always to myself because, you know, when when you tell yourself that's when you have you know, a lot of stuff that you want to write down and, and express. And I was always um, a person who really, it's like this, I was always into my studies and into my, my ability. So I really never, you know, catered to those who mocked me. I, was, I wasn't I was around everybody. I was always to myself. Okay, so you were a loner pretty much. Yes. Hmm. Um, did you find that you did a lot of writing in a journal? As a young um, man, well, not in the journal, uh, mostly on paper. Because like I like I reiterated before, that I used to like writing to um, you know, famous uh, celebrities. Whenever I see someone on um, you know, on television, you know, you know, I like to um, you know, write them just to um, get their response. And Francine, you know, this is interesting. I remember on um, the first autograph picture I got, which you no, know, I don't know what happened to that picture a long, long time ago. I remember um, the group which I grew up listening to. It was called A Soul to Souls. I'm sure you remember the, the group with Jazzy V. And um, mm-hmm. I remember, I remember when I had heard that group. You know, um, you know, I used to um, actually I was working with a, um, with another um, writer. Actually, she, actually she was my um, my therapist, and we used to she, we used to meet like every week, and we used to uh, occupational therapy. And I remember uh, every time we used to meet, you know, she used to help me like um, you know write. She used to actually you know show me you know this is how you start a paragraph. This is how you actually Articulate, and um, and I remember when she was saying that whenever you write a celebrity, you have to make sure that you tell them you know a little bit about yourself, what motivates you, and you know how they actually influence, you know how their music influenced your life. So I remember the first autograph I got from Jazzy B, and uh, it, it was just amazing, Francine, because you know when you just when I first got that autograph picture from him, you know it really really felt like I was a part of or something you know, special because you, back in the day. You know, whenever you found you know famous celebrity or famous uh, writer or a songwriter, you, you it was your um, jurisdiction or your purpose to really, really write them to get to see you know how how does how does their music influence you know, other people? And you know, after you know Jazzy B, then I started you know writing, I started getting uh, autograph pictures from um, Karen White because I know you remember her. She put out that song um, Superwoman. And okay. you know the list, the list goes on and on. So that's my really, really discovery right then and there that I had the gift to really, really write and articulate. Hmm. All right. So again, um, 
to our listening audience just to uh, inform those that may have just arrived uh, tuning in to our show tonight. We are now in the exclusive interview hour, which will be from 8 p.m. till 9 p.m. I am privileged to have with me on the panel the feature artist, published author, and award-winning poet, author Philip Berrien. So for those of you who have not yet called in, I'm going to provide you with that call-in number. The call-in number is 724-444-7444. I repeat, 724-444-7444. And the show's ID number is 133-193. I repeat, 133-193. And for those of you who are not a member of TalkShoe, you are entering into tonight's chat room as a guest. So you are simply to press the number one when the voice telemated prompt asks you for your key for the for joining the call tonight. Thank you for all those who have joined the chat room. It's always a pleasure to have guests in the chat room. Um First and foremost, I want to say again, a big shout out to the No Notes Show, LLC. They are with us tonight, showing their love and support as always, and they are firm supporters. They are constantly promoting our show from week to week, getting people aware that, yes, we're on the air, and this is a platform created for literary artists and artists in general. Come to every artist. Be inspired. Join us weekly. We will have something that you will want to hear. And, of course, our free publishing tips hour starts at 10 p.m. from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. And our lead facilitator is the co-host of the Exceptional Scribble Show, Queen Zipporah Thelman. You won't want to miss out. She has something fresh for us every week, and it's always a new topic about something we should know in particular for all those who want to become a published author and need to know which route to take. There's always going to be more than one option. And, yes, you have a traditional publishing route or a self-publishing route. Queen Zipporah will be available this evening. Call in at 10 p.m. and learn something more that you should know on how to get published successfully and how to market your work and your book, Successful Too. Okay, now we're getting back to our interview, back to the feature artist in the spotlight, published author, award-winning poet, Philip Berrien. And, Philip, because you have published a book, and your book is entitled Testimonial of One's Greatness. I think that it's really, first of all, that title itself is potent. It's a powerful statement, testimonial of one's true greatness. I'm sorry, true greatness. Uh, So, ladies and gentlemen, let me restate the title of his book. 
It's entitled Testimonial of One's True Greatness. That is the correct title. So um, at this time, I'm going to ask the published author, Philip Berrien, if he would give us a little background information on how he came about designating that title for his book. Sure, I will, I will gladly um, thank your audience, uh, Francine. Um, well, uh, when I was in, um, you know, in college, I attended the uh, you know, Brooklyn College, and um, you know, I remember my um, all of my poems used to be published in the um, weekly newspaper, and uh, I remember uh, I was talking to um, this um, this guy, I me, mean, I forgot his name, but I know he used to um, you know work there on campus, and um, I remember um, I showed him like uh, some of my um, my poetry and stuff back in the day. I used to write about you know romance and you know you know good stuff that um, people like to hear. And uh, I remember um, he 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 had said something to me very very interesting. He said, hey, "Philip, why don't you wind up doing a poem about God? Because God is the one that gives you strength. He's the one that gives you the mind to do what you do." And he's the reason why, you know, you're walking around doing what you're doing. And, Francine, you know, you know, it, it really spoke profoundly to me because, you know, I was doing everything else, but I really, really wasn't, you know, paying homage to our Heavenly Father who continues to to bless us each and every day. So when I started um, the testimony of most to greatness, um, someone inside of me was saying, well, actually me and the Lord had a conversation. And um, he, the Lord was telling me, he said, hey, Philip, you have so many you know, poems here, you might as well, you know, start, you know, look at me, Francine, to me, people that I've spoken with saying, hey, listen, you're really, really good. You need to start putting your um your poems in books. And I really didn't thought of it at the time because when I used to write, I used to write, you know, just to, you know, see how valuable, you know, my work was, you know, just to, to brainstorm and to see, you know, what I can do with it. So right. um, what happened is, um, you know, the Lord, the Lord began to tell me, he said, you know, I want you to write this book. And I went to the title of the book called The Testimonial Ones to Greatness. And um, the same way the media was having a conversation, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, um, how come you wanted me to um, you know, do this book, The Testimony Ones to Greatness? Because uh, he told me, he said that everybody that's actually gone through some stuff needs to know that I am the one that actually got them out of the situation in which they themselves can get themselves out of. And Francine, mm-hmm. you know, and based on what you're saying in the introduction, Testimony Ones to Greatness with this whole Cohen, which you indicated. Um, I remember um, watching um, Steve Harvey on uh, on TBN. He was hosting it. And I also listened to his radio show when I catch it in the morning. And um, one thing I admire about Steve, and this is what really, really, you know, influenced me, you know, to actually get going with the title. He said that um, you cannot have a testimony when I'm actually going through a test. Because mm. as long as we living on this earth, you know, we're all going to be tested. You know, we're going to be tested either through people's attitudes, we're going to be tested through what people say. We're just going to be tested how however you want to perceive it. But what the reality is is how you pass the test, how you deal with it. So when the Lord had wanted me to write this book, he wanted me to write the book that's actually going to be relatable to people who have actually been through whatever they've gone through in their life because we all have overcome our testimony. And like you said earlier, you know, this title itself really, really speaks profound, not only to me, which speaks value to people who've actually experienced some kind of adversity in their lives. And that's where, you know, my inspiration came from. Mm. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, 
articulated as well. So many uh, persons out there, I'm sure, are in that state of mind right now where they've encountered many things in their life. They've had trials and tests, and they probably even wondered how they were able to make it through such harsh times, such hard times and such harsh experiences. And I really approve and appreciate how you gave us all that reminder, that reference uh, to remember and reflect, to look back and to look up and to know that somebody bigger than us helped us. We didn't get out of those sticky situations on our own. We had divine intervention. And I do appreciate that you would take out that time and in that moment to acknowledge that, yes, we are never alone. We are not by ourselves in this world we have a spirit that guides us. We have a light that shines within us and in our souls. And if we yield to that light, if we yield to that spirit that guides us, we will find that power is the strength to overcome all of the adversity that we will face in in, in our lives. And we will face adversity. That's a given. So... What we need to know is to give thanks. It's so very important. Sometimes yes. we do, but too often we don't. <laughs> yes. So I thank you for doing that and reminding us of the necessity of giving thanks. Yes. And for saying, you know what, well, that's why it was so important you know, to write this book because, like, um, you know, I read the, um, you know, the word, you know, a lot. And I, and like, for example, if you go back to the um biblical times, I give you an example. Um, the book of um of uh, Genesis, which I, ma- I remember, um, you know, I think T.D. Jakes had uh, preached about this. I think one of his sermons I was watching the Word Network, and uh, one of my favorite stories I love is um the story of Joseph. And Joseph, you know, when I think about Joseph's story, I think about the Ecclesiastics third chapter, which says it's a time and a season for everything, which meant it was time for Joseph to really, really, you know, elevate himself from going from the pit to the palace. And Francine, you know, I think it was so important because the reason why I'm bringing Joseph up is because if you know his story about how he was hated by his brothers, about how his brothers had felt that his father loved him more than him. But Joseph, to me, which I kind of like feel in that same category, he was like special because you know the Bible does say you know he was like Christ-like, where you know he never got into trouble. He had like this, I mean, he was very, very you know handsome and attractive, but he really, really never found himself surrounded with all that negativity stuff because he was always positive. And, you know, we all know, you know him and him about his brothers, how they sold him in to slavery, but, you know, we all know the good book says everything that worked together from that love of the Lord. And, Francine, you know, it's so important, though, because if you look back at his story, and, you know, and as a matter of fact, I mentioned this in my book, I said to myself that here you had um, a Hebrew boy who was hated and despised by his brothers and also by, you know, the people who sold him into uh, the slavery. But at the same time, you know, God was with him, just like he was with us. 
And what I love about his story is that, you know, if it wasn't, you know, we don't know that JoJo was a dreamer. And to me, if it wasn't for his dream about, you know, telling Pharaoh about this was going to happen, this was going to happen, how he had to make sure that the land of Egypt prepared for what was about to happen. So, as a matter of fact, I think we're actually living in the land of Egypt now, what talks about, you know, the food, the famine, and all the other stuff. And, mm-hmm. frankly, it's so, you know, it's so beautiful because if it wasn't for Joseph's dream, I don't think that not only would his family would have been saved, but the whole state country of um, Egypt wouldn't have been saved because he was the only one who knew how to interpret dreams. And to me, getting back to the book, the testimony was to greatness. I really, really reference that particular book from the biblical times because you look at you look at Joseph's story, you look at Moses' story, um, you know, a, a leader. You look at um, you know, David's story. You know, all of them had to go through some things. But at the same time, they never forget about God because God was always in the minutes. And I lo- and I love to use this um this three um examples that I call dreams, deliverance, defense. You need a dream, you need to be delivered, and you need someone that's going to be able to defend you twenty four seven. So that's mostly what my book kind of like replica because it's actually a replica of paying homage to you know our predecessors who actually went through the tough times, but at the same time they was able to deliver the people, but he, they wouldn't be able to do it without God's help. So I felt that the testimony wants to bring this is actually the theme and the anthem of today's times. Because, Francine, we see what's going on with, you know, the economy. We see what's going on with our young people getting shot up and all this other stuff. And people are just looking for answers. They're not looking for excuses. They're looking for someone that's going to step up by letting the world know that, listen, God has your back. And that's the main reason why I felt that, you know, God had raised someone like me to use this particular book to let the whole world know that in spite of what you're still facing, he's still in control. And until we realize that we're going to, we're going to continue to find ourselves in a situation where one of us can't get out of. And that's just the reality. Yes. Affirmative. Affirmative. And now what we're going to do is, because I'm, Going to make certain we have a caller. Uh, let me see. Um, I know we've had. Okay, I'm going to go to Born to Write. This is a poetess. She's a queen and truly a sister. Um, I tell you, one to be esteemed and revered for her spirit and her passion for working with our youth today. I want to welcome to the call uh, Queen Lydia Born to Write Cook. Welcome. Hello, hello. Welcome. Uh, thank you so much for that warm welcome, um, Queen Francine. I appreciate it. Um, You're welcome. Always appreciate you and your energy and your positivity. I want to say hello and Congratulations to this award-winning poet that you have on the line tonight. How are you, King? I'm good, and thank you so much. Okay. Um, That's good to hear. I've been listening to you, and uh, your humility, I mean, just shines through like um, it's just beautiful. You don't really hear a lot of young uh, people uh, with such humility and, and uh, such confidence in the same breath. So I really thank you and appreciate you for being yourself as well. Thank you, thank you. You know, hey, 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 it's the God in me. 
I'm the, I'm just the, I'm just the instrument they're they using. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I think if if more people had less ego and, and more soul, then uh, the world would just simply be a better place because people would think outside themselves and consider yes. their sister and their brother. Yes, I agree. All right. Well, I have a question for you. Uh, it might be a cliche of a question, but um, I heard you say when you were younger, you didn't, um, you know, you were kind of outcast, so to speak, which obviously gave more life and more creativity to your ink. Um, but okay, here's another a better one. When you uh, when your time has come and gone, and you've transitioned from this life to the next, are you in glory, whatever your personal belief may be, um, what do you want your readers to remember about your work? Uh, if there's just one thing that can stand out to them, they say, hey, um, I've read author such and such, and, and I can't remember his name, but I know he said this. What, what's the one thing you'd like them to remember about you? Well, I want, well, here's the thing, though. Um, I was telling um, this to um, the Francine, you know, we started uh, texting each other a while back. And what I was saying, well, what I want the, um, the readers to know is this, and it's so important. I want every listener right out there to hear this, because what I'm about to say is very, very profound, but it's going to minister to a lot of people. Um, we One of these days, we're all going to want to make this transition, because none of us don't know when we're going to leave here. And the most important thing that we all must leave behind is a legacy. And a legacy has to be pure, essential, and genuine. And what I mean by that is that we want to leave behind a positive thought. And to answer your question, um, I want people to remember my work as being original, you know, being, you know, fearless, meaning that, you know, don't be afraid to express. Don't be afraid to articulate. Don't be afraid to touch on things that people don't want to talk about, but, but realistically has to be dealt with. And I want them to really, really be inspired and be enthusiastic about life because, you know, the life is so, is so beautiful that you can't help but to enjoy it. So that would be, that's what I want people to remember me by, by, by letting them know that, you know, Philip Barrington, not only was he uh, an author, but he was original. You know, he was different. You know, he didn't, you know, he, he wasn't like, you know, some some authors that you um, read about, he had his own unique way of expressing how he felt. So that's mostly what I want people to remember me by the originality and the words of which I bring to the table. Awesome answer. Awesome answer. I didn't want to jump past my queen, Francine. How was your day today? Oh, uh, Queen Lydia Born of Ray Cook, is it possible you can uh, just, for us, to turn the volume of your speaker up because we can hear your words, but it's just your voice is very faint to us, and we don't want to not hear all of what you're saying because it's all good. We want everyone to benefit from it. Thank you. Okay. All right. Is that, a little, is that better? Yes, it is. Perfect. That's excellent. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm, I'm extremely old school, and I have this new earpiece here, so it <laughs> is an intelligent piece of equipment. <laughs> I'm catch up with it. Uh, I do apologize for that. So how how was your day? I don't want to jump past you. And, and, uh, oh, thank you. You know what? It's been an uplifting day, a lot of things that needed to 
be addressed and just they needed attention and time uh, getting established. They they were met with the time and the attention necessary. So I'm feeling really very content at this moment, and thank you for asking. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, also, uh, Philip, I want to thank you for um, just your gift of a pen. I'm, I'm not familiar with your work, but I'm definitely getting familiar with you through this interview and, uh, and, and just for your originality. I think you, you need, even at a local level, you know, you run into to so many um so many people, you're not exactly sure who they are or what they stand for, but there's just a sincerity in your tone and the humility in your voice, and I, and I really pray and want to speak down to folks of life and, and prosperity and productivity and even the more of your career and your journey. Oh, thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Well, you know what? I'm happy you said that, though, because um, like I was telling, um, you know, Francine, I want you know the whole audience to hear this, too, that... Um, you know, we're all living in the last and the evil days because you know, I live down here in Georgia, and and let me tell you, we've been having rain down here for the past you know two weeks. I mean, never. I mean, it started from July, and we're always in in, uh, in August, and it shows you right then and there that you know we're all uh, Jesus is on his way back, and you see the signs and the wonders, and that's why it's so important and it's so crucial to use this time that we have now to make sure that we get the word out to the people because when it's all said and done, we're going to be responsible for their souls being lost. And, you know, that's the reason why the Lord had called me to do what I'm doing, though, because, see, every see, see here's the thing. The people need to be fed. They need to be fed the word of God. They need to let, they need to know that God is able to really, really, you know, get them where they have to go because um, without, it's like this, without having God in your life, you know, you know people's lives will be like a ship. Without a soul. What I mean by that is that if a ship doesn't have a navigator, then the ship is going to go all over the place. And if it goes all over the place, it doesn't tell where it's going to go. So you see, here's like the, you, you, you need you need someone that's going to get you to that next level. And that's why I was saying earlier that you know we need someone, not only me but Francine and whoever out there is writing, to make sure that we we let the people know that listen, you know, God is on His way back. And the only time that we have now is to make sure that we bring them all into the kingdom because you know, sooner very soon he will be returning. We already see what's going on with the signs and the wonders because biblically biblical already tells us these things. So that's why, you know, I thank God for what you were saying, though, because, you know, the world, see, the world needs to know that, listen, you know, you just have us all to take responsibility and start getting ourselves together because our Redeemer draw now, not later, right now. Definitely. Um, I definitely believe that there is a shift going on in the atmosphere who is our obligation and our duty when we claim to know God and love God and be of God to direct people towards the life and to show them a better way and to love them out of their mess and to speak life over them where there is so much death and corruption, you know, corruption in our society. But I, I firmly believe, too, that we have the power to set the atmosphere. And so our words have power. We've been given um, divine power from our creators. I, I, I'm in um, in agreement with, with most of what you're saying, and without 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 being a light to people, without showing godly love, without really embracing people, there will be no hope because we may be the only sign of love or or any remnant of God that they see or that they feel, 
So it is our responsibility to love one another and to um, just be peacemakers and peace people, you know, in our community and in our world at large. So I commend you for doing your part on that and um, pray many, 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 many years, you know, in your in your journey and your mission to uh Thank you. Oh, Thank you. I received that. Yeah. Yeah. We need, we need help. Our world definitely needs it. You have to be blind not to see that. But I will not hold you all any longer. Um, I've got some studying to do in another friend's um, blog. I want to call and support it. Okay. Um, well, we want you to um, share with our listeners any uh, calendar of events updates that you have. Oh, now is the time we want to uh, extend the mic into your hand, and if you would like to promote any businesses or anything that you have that you need uh, supporters to support, this is your moment. This is your time. And I just ask that you turn your volume up just a little louder because I want to make sure everybody can hear every word that you say and hear it well and clear. Thanks so much. Okay. Um, am, am I clear now? Yes. Okay. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for the opportunity to do so, Queen Fran. Um, mm-hmm. I do have a feature coming up on um, uh, Black Hole Entertainment, which is uh, Brother Forrest Muhammad and his um, entourage and his, his business is his radio. No. Okay. So sorry. Um, I have a feature on um, with Wolf Hours where Chester Mouthpiece Robinson is the host in Queen's Mind and it's with Suntoucher Patterson, which is Thursday. Um, I also have a feature coming up on uh, Fever Friday um, with um, Monique and Ashley um, every Friday um, with BTC Radio. And if you're listening or uh, in the chat room and you'll be in the Chicago area, I will be in Chicago on the 30th with a feature thanks to the uh, wonderful soul of a man, uh, word warrior, Eddie Felton. Um, we're awesome. going to do a couple shows there. And um, I'll, if everything goes according to plan, I'll be in Philadelphia in September um, with this spoken word and this passion and this movement of love. So you guys just keep me Great. I know, I'm excited. It's a lot going on. So I do have a book in the CD as well, Blue Fire, that is on Amazon and Kindle. Okay. And what is that title name of your book and your CD? One more time. Nice and loud for everyone. Thank you. All right. I know, loud and proud. It's called (laughs) Blue Fire, Poetic Journey of Our Emotions. Oh, I like that title. I would love to share this. This is a huge blessing. I have not yet spoken about it uh, anywhere. Actually, online, this will be my first time, but I was invited to California next um, spring to mm. And uh, it'll be in San Diego, California, according to plans of those who have invited me. And they've decided to name the event the Born to Write Poetry and Music Concert. So mm. that's a huge honor. That's major. I am I'm so happy for you, Queen. I know, I'm excited. I'm so humble. Yes, you are. What's the saying? um, Your borders are enlarging. Yes, yes. And that's a blessing. That's truly a blessing. 
but I'm I the have Almighty. To, I have, and I'm grateful to. I'm so grateful to Him. I have to follow up by saying this: Whoever's listening, if you ever, if you doubt yourself, or if you've been rejected, or if you were looked down upon or judged, uh, you know, or anything like that, I definitely want to encourage whomever under the sound of my voice to keep moving forward. If you know God has blessed you, gifted you with talent. And, and has given you the, the drive and the ambition, never give up on yourself and never believe the words of a hater or a naysayer because they're just that. They're just words until our belief in what they say about us allows mm-hmm. us to flight. So um, a lot of people counted me out, you know, because of some, some trials and tribulations that I've endured. But when God knows the plans that he has for your life and, and destiny calls, you will do and be everything you're supposed to do and be. So um, just be encouraged and, and know it's not over for you. That's right. Hallelujah. I have to say a hallelujah on that. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, my sister, thank you. We're going to support you. And please feel free to post your calendar of events updates on the Exceptional Scribble Show. That is our fan page on Facebook, and we always encourage artists to post there, and we will make sure that the word and the news gets widely promoted. Thanks so much for calling in and sharing your love and, again, sharing your passion for being the writer that you were born to become and for being a community leader as well because when you fulfill your destiny and and your purpose, that's truly when you're giving back to your community. So keep up the good work, sis. Yes, ma'am. And I appreciate you so much, your words of wisdom. You always leave me with something to think about and to expound on, and I always tease you and um, um, Lois Shaw. Y'all might give me a couple words I need to look <laughs> up in the dictionary, but it's okay <laughs> because I'm learning. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, I love you, sis. Big hugs from me to you. And I'm looking forward to when you come to Philadelphia. Please uh, inbox message me all the details. I will definitely come out and support you and bring some others to support you as well. Thanks again, sis. Awesome. One love, Quinn. One love. Yes, indeed. One love. One love. Yes, indeed. Well, we're going to continue with our interview. We have with us published author and award-winning poet, Philip Berrien, in the spotlight tonight, ladies and gentlemen. But before we uh, go back to Philip, and I pass the mic back into his hands, we're going to take a music break, and there's a song I'm going to play by a local singing group. They are, and this is the name of the group, the New Face Singers, the name of their CD is entitled, Tell Me About Yahweh. And for those of you who are not familiar with the name Yahweh, that is the original name for the God of the Hebrews. And we're going to listen to a song that is inspirational. And for those of you who would like to inbox message me, you can uh, inbox message me what you think about this song. And I will definitely relay your words to the singing group, because at this time they are acquiring responsive feedback from those who listen to their CD. 
as they prepare to have their CD mastered and then released into the public for those to purchase, okay? So we're going to listen to a song by the New Faith Singers. One moment. And then when we return, we will continue the interview with Philip Berrien, and we're going to enjoy hearing some poetry by Philip. But truly, he is an award-winning poet, not just in word, but also in deed. Okay, I'm having a little technical difficulty here, but we're going to work through this. I tell you, whenever the Almighty is blessing, the devil tries to start messing, but it ain't going to work here tonight. We're not having it. Okay. I am so deeply rooted in my Savior. My Lord, my Lord, 
That was the New Faith Singers. So if anyone would like to inbox message me, Fran the Sage Poet, you can do a search. My name is Francine Elizabeth Natal. Feel free to inbox message me. Let me know what your thoughts are about what you just heard. That was a song entitled Deeply Rooted in Yeshua. Yeshua is the Hebrew name of the Messiah, the Savior. Ladies and gentlemen. So now we're going to get back to our interview with our special guest, feature artist in the spotlight, published author and award-winning poet, Philip Berrien. And Philip Berrien, of course, I know everyone now is hungry for hearing some of your poetry. And uh, share with us if the poetry is from your book, Testimonial of One's True Greatness, or whichever book it comes out of, because I understand that you've written several, and I'm talking about 10-plus books, ladies and gentlemen. He is a true author. He has written about how many books, Philip? Sure. Um, Okay, uh, Francine, um, this is from the book, Testimonial of One's True Greatness. I know I've read this um, to you guys before, like, case those who haven't heard it, you know, I'll give them an encore. Is that okay? Sure. And how many books total have you had published or have you uh, had written thus far? Well, actually, uh, I've written, actually, um, you know, 20 books. But 20 my books? One, yeah, my first one wow. actually the He's called. in the double digits, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Not in the teens. We're talking about 20s, in the 20s. He's a serious author. So please call in, 724-444-7444, because I know some of you out there haven't even published one book yet, and he can help you as to the things you should do in preparation of getting that first book published. Now back to Philip. The mic is in your hands, Philip. Okay, thank you. Um, Well, I want to dedicate um, this particular poem to um, all of the grandmothers out there because um, as me and Francine had talked about a couple of cases about, you know, the, the, the big question is that where are the um, the grandmothers nowadays? You know, where are the grandmothers who were there on a Sunday morning? Where are the grandmothers who was so gifted in, you know, ministering, baking pies, cakes, and making sure that, um, you know, family, you know, stayed intact, stayed together? So I want to dedicate this poem to all the grandmothers out there. 
And this is from the, my book, The Testimony Wants to Green. You have to give a shout out to Grandma still because they're all over. That's like right. The, the Big shout the out to the grandmothers out there. We love you. Yes. Many blessings grandma, to you. Grandma, there was a sweet little old lady who we all love and called Grandma. Grandma was so anointed by God that the hand that she was blessed with could touch and bring anything that was once dead back to life. Grandma was so full of the Holy Ghost that she would wake up on a beautiful Sunday morning, worshiping and playing her famous tambourine. She was such a wise and praying mother that she turned many nightmares into many countless blessings into her her spiritual, self-fulfilling, prophesying dreams. Grandma was so lovable and sweet that she made me one of her homemade apple pies. Then she smiled and looked directly at me, and said, baby, I ain't going nowhere because of God's favor and grace. He promised to keep me well and alive. Mm, mm, mm. Wow. That poem is heartfelt. I could feel the emotion, even how you started uh it off was saying, Grandmom, Grandmom, you're expressing your love for your grandmother, for her being that force, that very strong, powerful, positive light, energy and spirit in your life. And you're showing her via the poem honor. You're giving her that honor that she's due. And I commend you on that. And uh, that's a wonderful thing. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to give them, pay tribute to the elders, give them their just due. Show them the love, the respect, the regard, and revere them for truly they have paved the way, like your the the title of your book declares, testimonial of one's true greatness, it is their backs that we stand upon, their shoulders that we stand upon. And it is our duty to acknowledge them and to honor them and bless them for being the blessings that they are in our lives, past, present, and future. Yes, indeed. I'm going to – we have a caller, uh, Poetess Monica, on the line – Welcome, Poetess Monica. Poetess Monica from Southwest Louisiana. Are you still with us? Okay, we might be experiencing some technical difficulties. Uh, Poetess Monica, if you can hear me, simply do the following to confirm as soon as you um, have did not have the vaccination because it had not been invented then, and at that time there was no nothing such as penicillin, which everybody uh, takes now to avoid, um, you know, succumbing to the uh, the biotics that uh, cause disease. Okay, it sounds like I just wanted to be able to make a contribution and to do something. Oh, okay. I see. Um, She must be in her work setting because she does work in the hospital. So she can't uh, join us right now. She said she'll be back. Um, So we want 
her to know that we understand emergency situations arise, and she is definitely in a medical profession when she's on another call as for her work. Uh, she has to be diligent, and so we support her in that, and when she can return, we will welcome her to join us on the call. So, um, Philip, at this time, what we would like is for you to read us another poem, but first give us some background about what inspired you to write the poem. Thank you. Okay, Francine. Um, what inspired me to um to write the poem is uh, as we uh, said earlier about how grandmother was actually the um the foundation and the embodiment of family. And I've always said that you know grandmother. I, I miss my grandmother. You know, um, dearly. Her name was uh, the late, you know, Rosie Coward, which I mentioned her in my book too as a commemoration of how she, you know, was there to pray for me and how she encouraged me to do what I'm doing. And you know what, Francine, I've always said that and we, we had this conversation a while back about you know the big question is that where are the um the grandmothers? Where are the where are the grandmothers that teach, you know, this young generation that the way in which they're going isn't appropriate, that mm. the way in which they're living their life is un, is unacceptable. The way that they're living their life is gonna wind up causing them to be very, you know, believed earth ground. And that's the big question. So I wanted to really, really write this poem was dedicated to grandmas all over the world about how they were actually enforcers to make sure that the family stayed together, make sure the family stayed in the word, they prayed constantly, and mm. to make sure that they don't get into uh, you know any trouble. And like I said again, you know you, you don't see that nowadays no more. That's true. That is so true. Um, uh, a song comes to mind. There was a song by Helen Beller. And it's entitled Praying Grandmother. And she pays tribute to her grandmother and even talks about how she was near death um, due to her lifestyle. But her grandmother's prayers brought her back. So we want to give special honors tonight to every spiritual parent who is a grandmother who has been praying their children and grandchildren through. We want you to know your praying is never, ever in vain. And on that note, I'm going to play, there's a song. I think it would be quite appropriate to take a music break, and we'll be back after this song because there's a message in it. And it's always important that we give honor to whom honor is due. Hallelujah. You know, when I think about it, I started in church as a little girl, seven years old, and grandmother used to take me to church back in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I used to sing for the Lord, and I used to sing in the adult choir, and I love the Lord with all my heart. By the time I was nine years old, I was... And my grandmother even said to me one day, she said, you know, baby, God's going to use you one day. And I, I didn't know what she meant. But I knew I liked the sound of God. By the time I was 11 years old, my mother and father and my five brothers and my little sister, we moved from Tulsa to California. 
California. My, my dad's job had transferred him out of here. And by the time I was 12 years old, I found myself in a nightclub up in Los Angeles. My mom and dad used to go to the clubs on the weekend. They didn't know the Lord Jesus. And Grandma wasn't around anymore, so we just quit going to church. I was in the nightclub at 12 years old, and that was the worst place and the last place I needed to be. But I had a friend, Grandmother. By the time I was 13 years old, I had recorded my first single and began to open up for people like Stevie Wonder and Aretha Franklin, Stevie King, Bill Cosby. I remember opening up for him one time, and things began to happen. Things began to happen all around me. The devil had a, 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 a trap. He was going to set me up because, see, I liked it. I liked the money. I was making a lot of money. And I liked the glamour. And I liked the applause because that said, I love you. We all want to be When I was 16 years old, I had had a baby out of wedlock, and by the time I was 17 years old, I left home and joined the Catholic Hair, and I began to travel all across the country. I was making more money than my mom and dad put together by then, and things were looking pretty good. Then I was introduced to marijuana. The devil had a trap set. Next thing I know, it was pills, pills to get up in the morning and pills to go to bed at night. Then it was the alcohol. Then I became very promiscuous and ran around with a lot of people I had no business being with. And one day I was introduced to cocaine, and I know that all drugs are a spirit. This cocaine became my best friend. And I began to hang out with the devil, and I did everything that I was big and bad enough to do. And I'm not glorifying him. I'm just letting him know that I don't belong to you. Hallelujah. I've been set free. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I went on for about 12 years of my life, and I traveled with people, and I worked with Shaka Khan and Rufus, and I worked with Captain and Neil and all the people in the studios, and I was good at my job, and I was quick, and I could demand double, triple scale, and I went to work, and I was high every day. The devil was trying to kill me. I had a praying grandmother, never turned back. One time when I was in Houston, Texas, I met a man there, and I was getting ready to go on the road with Shaka Khan, and there was a group going on the road with us, Heat Wave, and they had a man working with them, and he was doing their lights, and he, I didn't know this, but I met him on the road, and he was a nice guy, and you never would know it to look at him, but he was also, not only was a light director, but he was a cocaine dealer. The devil knows how to really do it. 
So we began to be friends and we began to date. And, and um, you know, I began to get all the cocaine I wanted for free. How many of you know it wasn't for free? But we came home, me and this young man, and we began to live together. And he was still selling drugs, and I began to make drops for him. I was dropping off cocaine and making a lot of foolish uh, turns in my life. And my life began to do this spiral down. I was going to hell.
want you to know that not only did God save and deliver me and set me free, but he saved that drug dealer and he's my husband tonight. He is Hallelujah. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you enjoyed that testimony. Um, in there, um, in that testimony, of course, you could hear how the soul was dying and in need of salvation. And as we did witness, Helen Beller stated how she prayed. She had always been on the receiving end of her grandmother's prayers, but for once in her life she realized that it was her turn. She had to cry out for help. And when she did, her cry was answered. So to anyone out there that's going through, that's in a hard place, or in in between a rock and a hard place, that's when you look up. Don't continue to look down. Don't pity yourself. That will not get you out of the pit. But looking up, acknowledging that there is a higher power, there is, a greater one, one who can help you, one who can save you from yourself and out of your trouble. In in that moment, when you acknowledge him in faith believing that he will deliver you, you will be set free. You will be made free. So I want to encourage those out there tonight, that there is help. There is still a way made for you, a way out of the trouble that you have found yourself in. Don't give up. We've all been in in that state, that state of mind, that state where we knew if we didn't get divine intervention, we were in trouble and there was not a way we could find to get out of it. So don't think that you are the only one. There are many others like you. Some have looked up and they have cried unto the Almighty for help and they have been helped. Some have even reached out for help. Know that there are support groups. There are people out there who specialize in servicing the needs of others, and they will help you, but you've got to reach out to receive that help. No one is an island. No one stands alone. We are all together in this world, and if we remember that, We will save ourselves from a lot of grief and self-pity. At this time, we're going to return back to Philip Berrien.
and Philip, yes. would there be another poem that you would like to share with our listening audience tonight? Oh, Feel yes, free I'm to share it. I think, I think I'm going to give um, your audience the, um, as I call it, the Real Life Special. We're gonna, oh, okay. We're going yeah, we're, we're gonna to get a little bit into the romantical stuff. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. That is okay. That is fine. That is art, and we embrace the arts on this platform. The mic is now in your hands. Okay. Now, this is for all um, the ladies out there who have been cold but needs to be warm. And this poem right here is called Flame. Mm. And it reads, Girl, my mind, body, and soul is burning inside of me like a flame of heat. For your unconditional love is what is keeping me standing on my own two feet. Girl, my mind, body, and soul has transitioned me into a romantic, exotic zone, communicating with through our mind, body, and spirit is a sign to let you know that I will always be your backbone. Girl, my mind, body, and soul and deep inner being continues to burst up into flames. Having someone like you in my life is where you'll always remain. Hmm. How very dear. How very sweet. I enjoyed that piece. Now I'm going to ask you, when you wrote that piece, what in particular would you say inspired that piece? Well, you know, Francine, I've always said that um, you get inspired through imagination because, you know, imagination plays an important role in what you want, what you want to do. As a matter of fact, um, I remember when I was in New York, um, I was watching um, God Bless the Soul. I'm sure you remember him. His name was uh, Bob Ross. And Bob Ross was a, uh, was a painter. He used to have uh, the shows on uh, on 13. And um, whenever Bob Ross was the one of painting uh, in the picture, the first thing he would tell his audience that the imagination is the key, meaning that it'll take you wherever you want to go. So you can inspire through, um, you know, what you think, what you feel. Hmm. That is true. We do. We are inspired by what we see, what we feel, what we taste, what we observe, touches, what touches us. Um, life inspires us, especially artists. Art imitates life because life testifies of art. So for us as as literary artists, those who are the scribes, the writers, the poets, spoken word spoken word artists, we are inspired maybe even a little more often than the average person. And I think that's because we are like maybe a little more sensitive to nature and what nature evokes, I think, in humanity and and, and all of creation. We're just a little more, sometimes you can be a little more in tune than others. And artists, for the most part, we are accused of, of channeling a lot of times because the energies that are in the atmosphere and even in the environment, we are just very receptive to them. We'll write 
a lot of times people will refer to it as mood writing, but we'll write about what's going on, whether it's going on within us um, as far as our emotions, whether it's going on within our environment, as far as the weather, the climate change, or what's happening in our community, socially speaking, environmentally speaking, um, we are very much in tune with nature and with what's alive in life itself. And I think that's what's beautiful about art. Art does imitate life. We are reflectors more often than not of what's going on within the world. And so we have a lot of artists, their artwork is revered as um, having a message that's a social activism movement, in a sense, where they'll say, oh, they're very passionate about a cause. A lot of us do. We promote it through our art. Whether we write a song, um, and who comes to mind is Marvin Gaye, um, who is an icon, a legendary musical icon, and his song was going on. He wrote about what was happening in the world at that particular time and how it did impact his life and the life of his family members. He had a brother that was in the war in Vietnam and some changes he noticed when his brother came back home. He had just friends and associates. A lot was going on during that time, even as far as the civil rights movement, social injustices. The world was upside down, yet it was on the brink of a change. And we know after that era, there were a lot of good changes that were made, and now our lives are better. In a sense, we have more rights protection post the civil rights era. So a lot of times the night seems to get darkest right before the breaking of a new day. So we've got to endure the night. The night season is not the most pleasant time for anyone. It's the time when we are experiencing a lot of losses. We're experiencing sorrows, great sorrows, many times. We're experiencing a lot of things that just aren't positive or encouraging for our souls. But when we endure that night season, there is a new hope that's birthed within us. And we find a courage and a strength that we did not have prior. And we learn things from that experience that we didn't prior know. And we're wiser, we're stronger, and we're more, we're better. 
and able to face even greater challenges post-enduring that night season. So it's all about perseverance. And I'm going to refer to the tale, the the classic, of the tortoise and the hare. Of course, we know the hare represents those that are swift. And the tortoise represents those who are slow. Slow as molasses, as the elder generation would say. They take their time. They're never in a hurry much. But the moral of the story goes like this. It wasn't the swift hare that won the race. It was the slow tortoise that endured to the end. So the race is only won by those willing to persevere and endure to the end. If you can't make it through the night, you will never see the breaking of a new day. And that's some soul food. To feast on, I know I'm feasting on it myself, and I hope that everyone listening also is feasting on it. May it uplift your spirit, and may it encourage your mind to think higher thoughts. Because a lot of times we tend to think low, and because our thoughts are low, we discourage our own selves from some goals that we are to set and achieve in our lives. So it's a time now for us to say, I know it's not easy. I'm going through a night season in my life right now, but I'm not willing to quit. I'm going to endure this night season because when it's over, it's over. And I will have reached another plateau of success, good success in my life. I will have overcome, and that's what it's all about. We have to hurdle over obstacles in our lives. We can't keep saying, this mountain is so high, I don't know if I can climb and reach the top. We've got to start saying, this mountain is a mountain, but I'm a mountain climber, and I'm going to put on my mountain climber gear, and I'm going to start climbing, because the sooner I start climbing, the faster I'm going to reach the top. We've got to see each challenge as possible and a necessary a necessary good 
in our lives, something that's going to promote our success and advance us forward where we'll be able to say, yes, it was difficult, but it was possible. So don't count me out. Don't count yourself out. Let's not count ourselves out. It may be hard. The night may be long and cold. And sometimes those closest to us, they may not have that mindset to endure that night season with us. They may say, you know what, this is too much for me. I'll come back later after all this is over. And, you know, not all the time is everyone willing to go with you or to go through what you're going through with you. But note this, there's always that one. Your creator, your maker, the source, he is omnipresent. He never leaves us. And if we remember him and keep him first, we can endure any trial. We will endure the night season and make it to the breaking of a new deck. It's possible. Ladies and gentlemen, don't give up. Philip, might you have another poem to share? Oh, yes. Yes, I have another one. Like I said, I came prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Okay. um, Well, for the team before um, I read this other poem, I just want to touch on something that you said uh, about, like, giving go. I just want to make this point. Sure. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I was watching um, me and my mom. We was looking at um, uh, Sunday's Best All-Star. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, who gets eliminated, who who goes home. And um, I love uh, Diana McClark because I think Diana McClark is one of those ministers who knows how to uplift people's spirit. And uh, based on what you were saying, I just want to um, add on to that. Um, Mm -hmm. At the end of the uh, the show, I forgot the uh, the character's name, uh, the singer's name, but one of them was about to get rid of the... um, to go home. And um, one thing that Donnie has said, and, and it's very profound, it really resonated with my spirit. It's kind of like uh, um, confirmed what you had talked about never go. He said that um, that when you quit, you, wasn't, you, know, you, you would never call. And, mm. I think, yeah, and, and I think when you made that statement, the way I'm interpreting, maybe you, can, maybe you look at it differently. I think what he was basically saying is that you know, God can't call quitters. Because he doesn't work, he doesn't work with that. He worked with winners. He, I mean, you know, winners, you know, within within uh, his promises. And mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, like, what what do you think from that phrase about you know when you quit, you you wasn't called? Just 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 to get your interpretation of it. You know what? I think that's it's it's a lot of truth in that because when a person has a calling upon their life to fulfill a purpose. They're very determined and focused. And it doesn't matter what happens to them in their lifetime, they will endure hell if they must. Come hell or high water, they are going to get to their destination. They're not going to let anything prevent them. If it's your calling 
an election in your life to be a thing, it doesn't matter who says you won't or you can't. You will bypass the naysayers just to prove to them that you were called, you were chosen to fulfill that purpose. So I agree with that statement. I I I commend him on making that statement and and with strong conviction because it is the truth. And I'm I'm a firm believer in the truth stands. It doesn't matter when everything else fails, the truth will forever stand. So when something is truth, I affirm it. So I say affirmative to that. <laughs> the, the, the beautiful Francine has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> Thank okay, you. Um, I love that. Yes. Okay. Here's his other poem. I'm gonna um give to your audience, and this right here it, it's actually kind of deep, but you know mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna give it to you anyway. Okay. The title is called "Let Me Love and Feel Once More Again," and it reads, "Let me feel and try loving once more again." Let me feel and touch your thick body as well as your smooth and glamorous skin. Let me feel the additional love of your purified and sentimental unified spirit. Let your amplified little voice be the tranquility sensual lyric. Let me be what you want to I, the embodiment of that sweet and precious love when both thought was lost and like the sailing ship in the sea all but gone. Let us both try to working and talking things out dramatically, and recounted the sensual effect was once potent and very strong. Mm. Wow. Awesome piece. Awesome piece. And I would like for you to just share with everyone, what inspired that piece? Well, you, well, you know, um, Francine, it's like I might as well, you know, give it my, my interpretation. It's it's kind of like saying that what I'm getting at it, because I want your audience to really, really understand what I'm trying to say here. When I use the terminology, let me love the film once more again, it's kind of like talking about when someone has actually been, you know, rejected, neglected, you know, hurt, whatever relationship they're in, you know, they really, really don't want to get back into the game because they know if they get back into the game of dating or becoming intimate or building that relationship, they know they're going to get turned down. So it's actually um, asking the individual to, you know, teach me how to love, teach me how to touch, teach me how to see that, you know, all good apples are good, but the right ones you have to stay away from. Mm. You can restate that last statement because that's the one point. Please restate that about the apples. Okay, I said... Some apples are good, but some are rotten. You have to stay away from the rotten ones. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. That's wisdom, ladies and gentlemen. Some apples are good, but some are rotten. And you have to stay away from the rotten ones. Wow. You said it all right there. You summed it all up. <laughs> if we can just remember that much to do just that, our lives will be enriched, and I tell you, we'll, we'll have more smile lines <laughs> and, and, and less regret, less regrets for sure. 
I love that. And would you share with us one more poem before I go to a caller? Okay, and then sure. we'll have some dialogue about composition. Thank okay, you. Sure. Sure. Okay, for this scene, this poem right here is kind of um, sad, but it speaks truth. Okay, ready for this one? Yes, go right okay. on ahead. This, okay, the title is called The Rapid Sands of Time. And this is the last one. It says, when I sat down at the kitchen table, I began to write a poem about love at first sight. I cannot help myself but to stop and stare at the hourglass which was given unto me the chance to spend the time with my lady love before the day she would pass. I will sit there hour after hour, looking at the hourglass, wondering why I have enough time to spend the last day with her and a purified white cloud of romance. When I look up, when I look at the purified rapid sand inside of the hourglass, I get sad and very emotional because it was time for my baby girl to depart away from me. I get sad and very emotional because it was time for my baby girl to silently depart away from me, although I was about to give her that sweet, but too late, waited proposal. Mm, 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 mm. I like that poem, but I'm going to ask you to read it once more and just request that you would read it slower in pace. Because okay. it, you said a lot, but you said it so quick that I'm sure some people missed some very key things that okay. you wrote in that piece. And I don't want them to regret having missed those keys. So please reread that piece okay. one more time, sure. just a little slower. And, okay. and it was well written as well. Thank you. Thank you. The Sands of Time. When I sat down at the kitchen table, I began to write a poem about love at first sight. I cannot help myself but to stop and stare at the hourglass, which was given unto me the chance to spend the time with my lady love before the day she would pass. I will sit there hour after hour, leaning at the hourglass, wondering when I have enough time left to spend the last day with her when I purify my private romance. When I looked, at the purifying reflex sand in front of the hourglass, I get sad and very emotional because it was time for my baby girl to depart away from me. I get sad and very emotional because it was time for my baby girl to silently depart away from me, although I was about to give her that sweet, long, but too late waited proposal. Hmm. That is very precious. Well written, well written. Yes, 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 yes. That is a love poem, and it capitulates romance in its sweet form. You know, there's a sweet and innocent form of romance that is truly very, very precious. And I think that we don't always hear uh, poems that embody that essence. We hear them that, you know, they give more of that, uh, more, I would say, 
sensual but erotic but a little raunchy but not as sweet and innocent. And I think you really embody the sweet and innocent uh, essence of romance. And it's a rarity today. Not not too many capture that. Yeah. Well, Francine, you know what? Uh, speaking of this poem, the reason why I call it the represents the time, and this is something that I really want your audience to really, really, you know, think for a moment because it comes all the back to using that imagination. When I talked about the represents of time, it's kind of like saying that, okay, okay, um, let's say that either your husband or your wife, let's say they're on their last dying bed where they're going to take the last breath on earth and the last breath to whatever they're going to spend eternity. And what the poem is basically talking about is kind of like saying that, you know, um, there's certain things that I should have done, but I'm actually doing this when your love was about to make that transition. So when you look at the hourglass, you know, the hourglass is actually a simulation to let us all know that, you know, time is of the essence. And once that hourglass runs out, there is no refill. That's the main reason why we heard me read the whole, the last end where I talked about, you know, it was too late to give her that long way to propose. It's kind of like saying that I kind of like blame myself because knowing that she wasn't there for me when I needed her, but now that she's about to make that transition, there's nothing much I can do. So it's kind of like letting us all know that we have to appreciate this life while the hourglass is still overflowing because once it gets down to the last ounce, it's it. It's done. Mm-hmm. That's so right. That is so right. And it's so important, I think, um, to express what's real about love and romance. Um, You know, we hear so many things said. Sometimes people speak out of their negative experiences. And, you know, like you hear testimonies of, uh, you know, brokenhearted, men or women, and they speak so negatively about the opposite sex and talk about the pain and the hurt, but they fail to remember that it wasn't always raining in their lives and relationships. They had some sunshine. Uh, There were those times when, you know, everything was up roses or daisies. (laughs) You know, we're not always sliding in mud. Um relationships aren't always on the rocks. So it's good to hear a poet and a scribe and a writer declare that, yes, there's still hope for those out there that want to find love and they want to be in a loving relationship. It's possible. It can happen for you. And when it does happen, this is what, it's, this is what it looks like or this is what it feels like, this is what it sounds like. That's what that piece says, and I applaud you on writing that piece. Thank you. Okay, well, Philip, might you have a poem that is one that encourages uh, anyone that's looking down to look up? me? Yes. Um, well, you know what, Francine? I think 
the poem that I read earlier was uh, was Grandma. And the reason why I think that's one of my favorite ones is because, um, you know, like I've always said, you know, Grandma was actually the praying mother. Because I, I know um, when I look at um, some of these Christian channels, you know, and I hear, like, young people talking about, you know, how Grandma kept them all in church and Grandma was a praying mother. And, again, it comes all the way back to, the, um, you know, just the point we made before, about where, where are the grandmothers nowadays to, you know, be the lightning rod that most families really, really need today. So mm. I think I think that's one of my poems that really stood out to me was Grandma because, you know, I miss my grandmother so, you know, dearly. And you know what, um, Francine, one thing my grandmother used to keep, you know, she, she knew the Bible, you know, back and forth. I remember she had said this one time and then I never forgot it. She said that um, if they took her Bible away from her, she'll be able to preach numerous, um, you know, sermons. And back mm. in the day, you know, grandmas knew they were. Mm-hmm. Because there was nothing you can trick them on. Mhm. Mhm. Beautiful and well stated. That the sacred text was in their heart. They really believed what was written, and they lived by it. And I think today we don't really see as much of that genuine uh, faith demonstrated or displayed or on display like we once did years back that the elders had. But there are some that still, uh, they they embody that love for the word and for their, their um, faith. There's always going to be a remnant. There's always going to be a chosen few or a chosen generation. And for those of us who have lived and been privileged to have a praying grandmother, a praying mother, a praying aunt, a uh, praying great-grandparent, uh, praying grandfathers, um, the faith of our fathers, the faith of our mothers, it goes from one generation to the next. There's a scripture on that um, where I believe it was Apostle Paul and he spoke to Timothy and he told him, you know, that same gift, that same faith, that same power and virtue that was in your grandmother went from her to your mother and in turn to you. So I believe in generational blessings. I know we hear a lot about generational cursing, but generational blessings are reality too. And I think that if we really live by our faith, that power will continue on by love. It will continue on and not stop with us. It will continue into our children and our children's children. It will go on and on. But we've got to set the pace. We've got to raise the bar. We've got to set the standard and say it starts with me. Let me be that example. You know, I'm willing and, and, and make that stand, make that stand and, and, and don't let anything dissuade you. I think a lot of times we're persuaded and then we let something dissuade us because of something somebody said or way they looked at us or way they talked to us and, and, and we just lose faith or lose heart. No, we've got to really... Hold fast to our profession. We got to say, look, this is what I believe. 
I don't care who doesn't believe like me. I believe this. This is who I am. And live it. Walk it. Mm-hmm. Be it. That's that's where it's at. Yeah, that's it. Take it or leave it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And know that there will always be those that may not think like us or believe like us, but everyone for themselves. Whatever their faith is, they're going to live according to it. Whatever your faith is, you're going to live according to it. Everyone has faith. And the measure of faith that the Almighty granted them, we have to live by our faith. Mm-hmm. And be the true thing, you know to what? your conviction. You know what? You know what? Um, based on what you were saying, I was thinking about that song which I um when I'm on my um YouTube um you know channel um you know I'm a huge um Bill Withers fan you know you know I think he's still living and um one of the songs that which I see I think that was one of the main reasons why I wrote the poem Grandma. Do you remember the song that he talked about Grandma when he said Grandma's hands just to wake up Sunday mm-hmm. morning and I love and I love that song so much though because he's basically telling the story about how grandmothers you know, live their lives. And, again, it, it really, really speaks to the extension about how grandmothers nowadays are so neat, especially what's going on with the generation of today. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. I agree with you there. And that, that yes, he paid tribute to his grandmother. And you did the same with your poem. Matter of fact, we're going to take a little music break, and we're going to hear that song. And then we'll come back and share some more poetry. And for all those listening, the call-in number is 724-444-7444. And the show ID number is 133-193. Bill Withers, Grandma's Hands. Grandma. Slept in church on Sunday morning Grandma ain't played a tambourine so well Grandma ain't used to issue out a warning She'd say, Billy, don't you run so fast Might fall on a piece of glass Might be snakes there in that dress Grandma
Yes, we're paying tribute to our grandmas out there. We love you. We are so very blessed to have you and as past, present, and future. And we're just acknowledging you tonight. And I want to acknowledge we have Lady of Love, Queen Poetress, has just joined the call. I want to welcome her to the platform tonight. Welcome, Lady of Love. Good evening. Thank you. Nice You're to, welcome. Nice to be here tonight. How are you this evening? Oh, I am well, doing fine, having a time of reflection with our feature artist, uh, published author, and award-winning poet, Philip Berrien, tonight. And he's just been um, having us reminiscent on our spiritual, soulful grandmothers, the ones who for the most part, had a lot to do with us turning out the way that we turned out. And I'm referring, of course, to the positive way that we've turned out. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So we're just paying tribute to our uh, grandmas tonight, and he read a poem uh, that was just really awesome, um, acknowledging his grandmother. And um, I'm going to let him share with you... Um, some things on his heart, just by way of encouragement, and then we're going to hear some poetry from you, Lady of Love. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Philip. Yes? Yes, I want you to share um, whatever you have on your heart. Maybe it's that poem, Grandma, or, or another poem, or just some words of wisdom and encouragement, um, if you can just share them. With Lady of Love, she too is a trooper. She's someone that works with some of our uh, most difficult uh, youth, our at-risk youth in the uh, community. And she's very passionate about the job that she does, and she is a uh, gifted writer and a spiritual woman, and I'm sure I believe a spiritual grandmother possibly even, um, as well. She looks so young, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Philip, I would love for you to share some in- words of inspiration uh, to our Queen Poetress, Lady of Love, tonight. Okay, sure. No problem. How are you doing, Miss Lady of Love? It was a pleasure meeting you. I am blessed and highly favored of God, which is an absolute blessing. I am a grandmother. Mm-hmm. I am not yes. grandmother. I'm Bubby, and I have, <laughs> okay. I have nine. I have nine grandchildren. Oh, bless you! So, um, you know, they're not all my bio, but you know, mm-hmm. they love they love Bubby. <laughs> <laughs> so that yes. that's that's cool right there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But spiritual as a spiritual grandmother. Um, the wisdom, uh, and and because of my energy, I'm able to uh, communicate with the youth, and I can get their attention uh, because I I I don't know how to really say it, but I'm going to try and make you know if this makes sense. I remained youthful. I didn't let the numbers 
capture me and um and 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 box me mm-hmm. in a place I can still reach back. I you know, I say it all the time. I can go back for positive or negative now, which will it be, you know. I don't want to go back for the negativity, but, you know, sometimes you have to remind the youth that, wait a minute, hold up. I can go back. I don't want to reach back there, but I can go back, and, and I, you know, we, we can handle this a different kind of way. But um, I, I try to be a, um, a positive force and, and show them from experience I don't mind telling my life story, it's not its not that bad either because I'm still here. If it were bad, it would have consumed me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, you know indeed. What, well, you know what, I'm going to say a what you were saying. I really, really commend you for doing what you're doing because um, me and Francine, we was talking about this a while back, and we were saying about, like, you know, the, the thing that really, really concerns me, and I'm sure you can be attested to this, is that um, we have so many of our young people getting shot up and abused for whatever either they're doing or they're not doing. And I don't know, I don't know if you heard recently on the news about the um the, uh, a young boy who got uh, shot in um you know, Cleveland, Ohio, which was been the big story this whole week. And matter of fact, I think they're down there. I mean, and also the um the girl that that died in uh, in Texas in that jail. So, mm-hmm. like I said again, you know, you know that's why I was telling Francine. She, the, 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 everything was actually dedicated to your grandmas like yourself because, like I've always said, the grandmas made sure that, you know, the kids didn't run the streets. They made sure they was in the house at a particular time. And, now, like I've always said, you know, I, I really, really will commend you for doing you know, what you're doing because, you know, somebody really, really needs an elderly voice to let them know that where you're trying to go, I've been there, Ray, and where you want to go, you don't want to go down that road. Yeah, I do understand that. You know, they um, they're 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 not. Um, you see, you have to understand. A lot of these children have been raised with by children. Their parents may be thirteen, fourteen. Mm. Yes, indeed. Older than them, and if you think back, I don't know how old you are. But I go back to fifteen. On high. Mm-hmm. I'm nothing but a. I I, I have responsibility. At 15, I had a young So uh, my mom taught me responsibility when she came out of the hospital. Yes. put my hand, and she told me um, that my sister was my best friend, and I never knew that. Hmm. That, that she's my best friend. Um, in fact, right now, my sister... Um, Thank God she's healed from it. She's cancer-free now. She, um, she had a, a breast surgery, and um, she waited months and months and months before she oh. shared it with me because she knew that I would break down. I cared that much about her. <laughs> you know, I cared that much about her as my baby sister. My mommy told me, that she was my best friend, and today, if if I if I need to come home and my money is not right to go home, I have no worry. Between my brother and my sister, I will. You see, because I did the right thing with them, and I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I 
abuse them. Oh, I beat them. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had to administer the, the, the rod of correction a couple of times, and then Mom stopped me because she said they won't like you, you know, so you can't. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. I, you can't be doing that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to <laughs> you know what it's like. You have to understand what is happening. See, there's a difference with me trying to raise them because I put something on their head. None of us in jail, mm-hmm. you know, none of that nonsense and stuff. I mean, we've had stuff go on in our lives that wasn't all that together. But um, they, um, they we came through a different era. And, yes, my grandmother was in my life, so I I ruled with that type of hair. You know, I ruled with that, yes. that type of wisdom. My grandmother was right there, honey. She, man, she wasn't going nowhere. She was there for each one of our births. She was mm, not mm, nowhere. She was going to make sure that she instilled certain things. She oil us with all her concoctions. That she <laughs> yes. Whatever all that stuff was, it must have worked because we're mm-hmm. relatives relatively healthy, you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes, indeed. You know, but um, uh, our, with our guests, it's the kids were raised by children, children making babies. They have no values. Nothing has been put into them because their poor parents had nothing to give them. Mm-hmm. And you want to look at, well, how did they get caught up like that? You know, where was their mom and dad, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of uh, falling down on the line. So, you know, we really have a mess here, and we have children who are very hard to, to reach. It's not easy. It's not easy. Sometimes you got to stand on top of the table. I'm short. Mm. So if I have to get up on the table, I will. You know, and I have to, you know, and I have to threaten with, you know, let me find me a stick so I can knock you out, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... That's tough love. That's right. You know, if they know, oh, Miss Shaw, Miss Shaw, you you know, blah, 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 it goes like that, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. You ain't going to... I'm sorry, Miss Shaw. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you know. Um, And they they get it together. But um, the deal is that we, you men, you men in the community, Mm -mm. you are the ones who are going to have to pour into these little ones. When you see them disrespecting their mother in the That's right. you're going to have to stand up and, and, and let them see the posture of a man because most of them mm. have a man in the house. They got, mm-hmm. some, they got some riches in the house, but they're not filled with a man. That's you right. Know? There's something there. So, you know, that's, that's another part of our, our necessity. Mm-hmm. Men yes, indeed. are going to have to stand in place where there are no fathers. You're going to have to mm. start organizing things, but baseball, football, whatever, basketball, whatever your pleasure is to get them interested in something else and get them off of the street corner and, you know, catch them hopefully before they start drinking wine and and whiskey and, and shooting dope, you know? That's and, right. Or smoking dope or whatever they may be doing, you know? But um, that's kind of like the, the the role of all of us, the grandma, the men in the community, mm-hmm. the, the aunties 
you know, when a when a young child respects you and calls you auntie, even a a, a young adult, when they respect mm-hmm. you and call you auntie, that is a great respect. When, when if they're if they're addressing you that way, then then you you can get in. You can definitely get in. You can definitely. That's right. You can get well stated. Well, at this time, we're going to um, have our feature artist wrap up his segment of the show uh, so that we can start the Publishing Tips Hour, which is scheduled. And I see that the co-host has just joined us, and I also want to extend a big wave to Mr. Boston, a.k.a. Master Scribe. We definitely will be hearing from him within this hour as well. And any other poets? that are on the call tonight. We will definitely be uh, going to you and having some poetry read, too, within the uh, Publishing Tips Hour. Uh, So we want to say thank you. We had a wonderful time uh, having this interview with uh, Philip Berrien, published author of a book which is entitled testimonial of one's true greatness. And I definitely recommend that book as a good read to add to your in-house library to any and everyone. It is definitely an inspirational read, and I know that it will prove to be uplifting to all who read it. And it's a book that you will want to share with others. It would make a great gift to whether it be a young person or old person, because he writes for all ages and he does not discriminate. So we want to thank Philip Berrien. He did have to leave us, but he's tarried even after his hour uh, till now, and we thank him for joining us tonight. But now I would like to welcome, let me see, is he back? Okay. Now I'm going to welcome Queen Zipporah Thelman. She's the co-host of the Exceptional Scribble Show. Queen Zipporah, welcome to the Exceptional Scribble Show tonight. Welcome, Queen Fran, and to everyone listening to Exceptional Scribble. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. I am well. I am blessed. I am in good health and in good spirit. So I'm really charged. I'm, I'm full of a lot of high energy tonight. I don't know what the moon phase is, but I'm feeling very illuminated (laughs) and really looking forward to what you have for us tonight because I know every week you have something new to share with all the literary artists out there, all the writers. It doesn't matter whether you're a beginner writer, intermediate writer, or advanced writer. You have something to share with every writer at, at every level which will advance their pen to the next level. So I commend you on doing that from week to week. Now, I do see that Philip uh, is back, and I want him to wrap up by just giving his contact information so that everyone listening will know how to communicate with him post the show tonight. Uh, So I want to welcome back to the mic the feature artist, Philip Berrien, and then we're going to return the mic to Queen Zipporah. Thank you. Thank you, Francine. Um, Francine, before I uh, give um, the readers and the audience my contact information, this is what I'm going to um, share with them real quick. Um, like I said, again, I know there's some um, 
readers and listeners out there who heard, you know, um, the interview, and I'm sure they're, you know, enthusiastic about, you know, the talent which God has given me. That way I'll be able to plant the same seed which was planted in me and planted in them. Um, I want to give them information about, um, you know, my publishing company, which is called uh, Infinity. If I can just take the time to run through this real quick. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Infinity Publishing, I'm just going to go down the list. Um, okay, Infinity Publishing has helped over 4,000 writers become published authors, and which, which I love that company so much because they actually was responsible for putting uh, the testimony and wants to bring this together for them, but I do commend them for that. Um, number two, um, Infinity has published over 80,000 manuscripts since the, uh, the opening in 1997, so they've been around a good while. Mm-hmm. And number three says, um, Infinity does not only offer publishing service, but quality editing, marketing, and print services, as well as having all of their digital books printed in-house, which is very, very important. Yes. And and the last one, which I really wanted to share this with your audience too, um, Francine, because this is very, very important. Number four says, Infinity's agencies free 10% of selected services free software cover black and white publishing package with successful referrals. And one successful, you can refer 20 authors to Infinity and in one year earn free Infinity authors plus statue. Infinity agents plus one year payment of $449 or $25 per month with all benefits, which is discussed what they offer. And, um, and Francine, that's the wrap this all up, and I really want to, um, your audience to, um, you know, take, um, you know, advantage, you know, of this opportunity. That's something they want to uh, self-publish. Um, one thing I will say about Infinity Publishing, it says, um, okay, what I got with them, they have what they call um, on, on YouTube, and it's called, um, you might, if anyone is listening, you might want to write this down. It's called um, Get Published Books Publishing. For self-publishing authors, and what that is, that's actually Infinity Publishing's um, a YouTube clip. And what they do is they give um, you all, you know, uh, piece by piece of what they do, what they offer. They take you through the, uh, the tour of their studio. They, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, Francine, this this is one company which I'm sure you know your audience will love. Because as a matter of fact, um, I was talking to um, through Facebook uh, a friend of mine who um, lives in um, the UK, and she actually you know, purchased my book. And um, she wanted to, um, you know, publish with uh, my company, so I had her to contact um, this lady's name. Her name is um, Jessica Knob, ladies and gentlemen. And her uh, her email address is um, Jessica at infinitypublishing.com. And what she is, she's actually an in-house rep. And whenever you need from her, like if you want to publish your book or need some, you know, booklets or some whatever information, you contact her. And um, Infinity's um, publishing number is, um, I mean, the number, contact number is um, 1-610-941-9999, and her extension is 63. So I want to uh, give you all the information if those who are actually interested in self-publishing with Infinity based on the information which I provided. That would be the greatest opportunity for you all to really, really expand, you know, your um, your creativity and whatever you want to do. So I wanted to share that with your audience. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. That's very pertinent information for anyone that's contemplating becoming a published author to know. Um, And I just want to share as well 
that for my very first book, and I believe also my third uh, self-published book, I, too, did uh, go through the Infinity Publishing to have my first and my third book published. My second book, I went through iUniverse and had that book published through them. So, yes, what you're saying about Infinity, I experienced that firsthand. They give you the walkthrough tour. Um, They literally took me by the hand through each phase of the publishing process, from the proofing phases to the final uh, proofing and then the final uh, draft for the final editing of the manuscript. So I really felt well-supported with uh, that particular publishing house, and it's it's feasible as for the the cost. And you pay for what you want. I mean, they do have various packages that you can invest in, but keep in mind you are investing in your gift. And, yes, in order to invest in your gift, it will cost you something. Not just monetarily either. It will cost you some sleep. It may even cost you some of your so-called friends. Because sometimes when you become so driven and focused, people don't always understand your your drive or your passion. So you've got to be convinced that you're doing what you're doing because you know this is to be done and it's the right time to do it in. Those two key factors are important. Make sure that you're doing it because you know this is this book is inside of you, not because somebody's telling you that, you know, you can make some money, you can make a good killing or a good profit if you write a book and write a book for this particular target key audience and your book will sell like hotcakes. No. If you're trying to get rich quick, going the route of self-publishing is not the route for you to take. If you're willing to endure, um, it's going to be challenging at times. And if you're willing to endure the challenges and grow in the process of becoming a published author, then I do encourage you to take that route of self-publishing. And I'm going to pass the mic now on to Queen Zipporah because I know she has some information that she wants to share with all of us tonight that will prove very beneficial. And this is the free publishing tips hour. So anyone with questions, I'm going to ask. I'm going to have to mute your mics for now. And I will be asking uh, Queen Zipporah to open the mics when I see your hand is raised. And the way that you raise your hand is after your mic has been muted, you have to press the asterisk key on your phone keypad and then press the number 8 key in that order. And then I will see that your hand is raised in a caller queue, and I will invite you to speak, and your mic will be open in the order in which your hand was raised. Now I'm passing the mic into the hands of Queen Zipporah, and in about 10 minutes we're going to start hearing some poetry because we have Master Scribe, 
we have Lady of Love, and we have Stillet Berrien, an award-winning poet, with us. All right. The mic is now in your hands, Queen Zipporah. All right. Thank you, Queen Fran, and good evening, everyone. Listening to Exceptional Scribble, episode 69 for Tuesday, August 4th, 2015. I have three pieces of writing advice, which are, one, writing is exploring and finding the, the undiscovered. Number two, buy a fellow client's book when you can after being published. And three, it is all right not to write every day because creativity is making room for more ideas. Okay. I'm in agreement with all of what you shared. I know that that's essential, vital information. Thank you. You're welcome. And now I have four articles regarding publishing. The first one is titled Merchandising Your Book for Readers and for Profits by Kent and Promote. The website is www.blurb, spelled B as in boy, L-U-R-B as in boy, dot com, forward slash blog, forward slash merchandising, dash your, dash story, dash blog, dash post. The article is the following. A few weeks back, at the Toronto International Book Fair, I met Louise Corrie Nadeau, author of Majelica's Voyage, a self-published early reader book. Nadeau is a smart, independent, and creative authorpreneur. In other words, she does more than write and sell books. She creates a brand. She gave hmm. me a little Majelica's Voyage gift set, which includes a book and a necklace, that she sells in stores and via her website. Her website also offers a weekly giveaway and a la carte purchase and option. You can just get just the book in one of three languages or the necklace. As a bonus freebie, you can download a coloring book or a sticker book. What Nadu is doing is what more authors should be thinking about merchandising their books. Perhaps when you hear that word, you think of Mel Brooks as yogurt and space calls shouting, merchandising, 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 while showing off a line of toys related to the very film that he's in. Or maybe you're thinking of the Elsa doll you had to buy your daughter after coming out of Frozen. But both yogurt and Walt Disney Corp have something there. Merchandising your book means more than making a little extra on the side. It means enriching your reader's experience and making your story bigger than just what's on the page. And a lot of these add-ons can be pretty inexpensively. A sheet of stickers from a print-on-demand shop like Cafe Press or Zazzle will be manageable for most authors. So your main character can be on a lunchbox or laptop and the world of 3D printing is making all kinds of things possible, like creating your own action figure. 
if you're a photographer, think about offering extra photos, either tips in to the book or sold separately. One of my favorite examples is Clement Bo Jensen's Diario del Peru, which came in both a limited edition leather wrap tipped in photo version as well as regular print-on-demand version. I bought the special edition. I like the extra stuff. Perhaps one of the best ways to create compelling merchandise for your book is to create accessories that echo things in the world of the book. Think of all those Harry Potter scars. You can do something similar by offering a mug or T-shirt that a character in your book uses or wears. If you're a fan of the TV show The Wire, you may be familiar with the select Clay Davis shirt that people would wear. Sure, it's a thing for the super fan of a big TV show. It's a clever idea that could easily be borrowed for a book. Some might even call it transmedia, but that's the subject for a later date. Back to Majelica's Voyage. I don't have kids, so I gave the gift set to a co-worker with a nine-year-old daughter. The book and the necklace got rave reviews. I'm now talking about this, about it on this blog. And Majelica's Voyage got a new fan who's walking around with this talisman slash promotional item for all of her friends to see. And who knows where that where that could lead. The end. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm very intrigued by the idea that instead of just being like everybody else, she would consider to add along with her book. Was it like a necklace or jewelry uh, piece? Yes. Yes, and also that she was conscious and business savvy in the regard of knowing that it would be in her best interest to develop a brand for herself. You know, so she took being an author to other heights, and I think that that's what we must do as artists. Don't let your artistry be in a box. Don't allow your artistry to be contrived to a box. Uh, Be open to new ideas. She was open to new ideas, and she was not afraid to uh, collaborate with other artists, and she talked with someone else and got some brainstorming accomplished that way, and she was able to achieve more than what she bargained for. You know, she started off just wanting to be an author, and she ended up becoming an entrepreneur. She ended up uh, becoming the creator of her own brand. So, see, one thing leads to another. Being a creative mind as an artist, it opens you to a lot of possibilities. You may start off just as a poet, but that's not going to be your ending. And we have to be willing to evolve. That's another fact of a true artist. They are not afraid to evolve. They're not afraid to reinvent themselves if need be. 
Um, for sake of being an artist, it requires that you not be contrived, that you remain a free spirit. That's something that most people can say about artists. For the most part, artists are free spirits. Even if they're shy, they are free spirits. They think outside the box. They will not allow you to put them in a box, and they will definitely not allow you to lock them up in a box and throw away the key. So I commend you on selecting that information to share with us tonight because we're always challenging on this platform. The Exceptional School Show, that's our aim because we want to see our artists fly. We don't want you to be chickens. I'm sorry, I don't have nothing against chickens. Um, (laughs) Personally, I'm just saying, I don't have nothing against chickens. I'm just saying, when it comes to our artistry now, we ain't supposed to be on the ground like chickens, peck, 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 peck. We supposed to be in the air like eagles. I'm just saying. (laughs) We supposed to be flying and soaring. You know what I mean? It's It's real, it's real. We're supposed to be eagles, huh? Yes, yes. When it comes to our artistry, we're supposed to be in that sky. We're supposed to be uh, right there with the sun. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I apologize to the chickens, you know what I mean? Because, you know, chickens have their place. (laughs) They have their place. (laughs) All right, I want to add to the... uh, also about merchandise on your book, or merchandise on books. Yeah. Some other please. ideas for it, such as keychain, stationery, character cutout poster boards, food, clothes, umbrellas, and furniture. Mm. Mm-hmm. Keychains. Mm-hmm. And what was this, the next thing? All right, stationery. Stationery. I like okay. that. Yeah. Character cutout poster boards. Mm-hmm. Food, clothes, umbrellas, and furniture. How about that? There you go. That's what I mean. You know, being an eagle, you're not contrived. You're not saying, you know, I just got a book. You're saying, look, I got a clothing line. I got stationery. I got hat. I got bags. I got, you know, it's more than just a book. Mm-hmm. You know, your your ideas are broader than just one specific object. And and right. that's what's good about being a creative mind artist, and that's what we're trying to promote by way of this yeah. show tonight. And one other thing, too, is the, you know, amusement parks. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. I guess on the lines, that would be like your Dorney Park, but also like your Disney World the theme park. Yeah. Now Disney has different theme parks. Yeah. Thinking on those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's also uh, costumes. <laughs> mhm. Yeah. All right, now I'm going to uh, move on to my next article. Maybe I should have saved the merchandise on Solanta if I had known what an effect it was going to be. (laughs) 
Hey. All right. <laughs> we never know till it happens. Yeah. The chicken. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. My next article is um, it's from WritersDigest.com, and it's titled Four Questions Agents Ask Writers at Pitch Sessions by Chuck Sambuccino, and this is from June 7, 2015. Over the years, as I've written both kid lit and adult fiction, I have participated in several agent pitches and critique sessions. I've read every article I could get my hands on discussing how to deliver your pitch or how to gracefully listen to constructive criticism. But what continues to surprise me are the questions that agents ask of me. I'd like to share the questions I've encountered in hopes that others can be better prepared than I have been in the past. Here are a few of the questions I've been asked most often or I've found the most helpful to consider. And the column is by Lisa Lisa Katzenberger, pitcher, book writer, member of SCD as in boy WI, which stands for Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, and editorial assistant for Literary Mama. Follow her on Twitter at Fiction City. Number one, are you working on anything else? Hmm. Hmm. I've come to learn that this is one of the standard questions at a pitch session, but the first time I was asked, I didn't have to pitch for my other work in progress prepared. I fumbled through a long description of my half-written novel. I did not expect to be asked a question during a critique session with an editor, and when I was, I still rambled a bit. However, at the last conference I attended, I pitched a picture book manuscript. When the agent asked me if I was working on anything else, pitches for two other manuscripts rolled right off my tongue. The agent requested I send her all three. Another takeaway from this, if you don't have an answer to this question, you just might not be ready for the publishing world yet. It is rare for a writer to have their very first manuscript published. But once you have one manuscript under your belt, the next one you write will be that much stronger as you've already been down the road before. Long story short, if you don't have an answer to this question, you might not be ready to pitch just yet. Number two, who are your favorite authors? I see this question as an opportunity for the agent to discover a couple things about the writer. First, who are their influences? Are they modern or do they reference authors who might not necessarily be publishable in today's market? Also, it indicates that the writer is as passionate about reading as they are writing. Stumble on this question and you could come across as someone who has a dream to write a book but hasn't done enough research to understand what makes a good story Example, read as many books as you can. But if you are able to rattle off a list of authors you adore, that shows you appreciate storytelling and the lessons you picked up in your voracious reading will spill over into your writing. We all have our old sentimental favorites, so make sure you are including authors who are hot in the current market. Number three, what kind of writer are you? I fumble on this one, too. 
The agent kindly led me and asked if my stories are character-driven. Yes, they are. I was relieved that I could speak to that for a while. But then I thought about this question way after the pitch session was over. How would I describe myself as a writer? What things do I want my stories to explore? This is a great open-ended question that could take the conversation in so many different directions. But it's such an important question to answer for yourself, whether you're pitching to an agent or not. Four, where did this this story come from? I was asked this question during a critique session with an editor on a picture book manuscript. I answered honestly. I was inspired by all the smaller kids watching their big sisters dance ballet, wishing they could be out there dancing too. I also talked about the story being about a sense of longing. Then the editor pointed out how the story dealt with sibling rivalry, a subtext I didn't register yet. This was the most thoughtful question I have since asked, and I think it is one writers can ask themselves in those early drafts. Not just the obvious question of where did you get the idea, but the deeper layers of where did this story come from inside of you. What emotions are you trying to convey to your reader? What made you have to tell this particular story? These pitch sessions have landed requests for manuscripts, but they've also helped me learn about myself as a writer and become more thoughtful about the stories I'm trying to tell. Chime into the comments below. What other questions have you had agents ask you during a pitch session? The end. Excellent. Uh, very resourceful information, Queen Zipporah. And we're going to go to our callers. I see we have our callers, and they're ready to uh, share some poetry. So we're going to give you a little break for a few minutes, uh-huh. and then we're going to have you come back after we give our poets some time to share and spread some love via poetry. Uh, we're going to go to Lady of Love in that order. Then we're going to go to uh, the feature artist that was in the spotlight tonight, author Philip Berrien. He's also an award-winning poet. And then we're going to go to, it looks like, Mr. Boston, a.k.a. Master Scribe. And then we're going to go to California. And I'm not sure who this is from California, but caller from California, would you do us, the distinct pleasure of introducing yourself at this time. Caller from California, are you on the line? Okay, they may have been muted. Oh, okay, they'll be right back. All right, no problem. Um, So what we're going to do is start with Lady of Love. And then we'll uh, go to California last because they're enjoying their dinner. <laughs> They'll be right back. <laughs> Remember, they're three hours behind us. So in California right now, it's 737. <laughs> We're on the <laughs> East Coast. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back, Lady of Love. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> I'm happy to be back and ready to share some poetry. You know that. Yes, indeed. And Queen Poetess, we are so looking forward to hearing Something spicy and inspiring from you tonight. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure about that? (laughs) 
or shall I say, I'll say, come in your own way. Whatever is burning in your heart, we know it'll be burning in ours when we hear it. So we're all ears. We're open for it, and we're just going to just set you in the spotlight right now. I'm going to hand the mic over to you and say to you, bless our heart with whatever's on your heart tonight. Okay. This is this is a soft, sweet. Mm-hmm. And it's called Like Wild Cherries. And it goes like this. So your wild cherry pieces. You know the ones you sent because you couldn't be here. They were so strong, they left trails on the wind. With your loving aroma. I saw them fly over the stars and commute them to my heart. Expressing your message. Mm, mm, mm. Rhythm. I You give me loving thrills with the knack of your gentleman with a purpose of shower, pleasing, pleasure with elegance. I pray for a love like this. So certain as your refinement adopted my heart, as your subtle gravity dance through a promenade as if the section belonged to us. <laughs> Truth it did. Captivating logic ushered our mental glide along garden delight, enjoying gypsy serenade, bottomless, middle ownership. Tears hmm. had moved along time's corridor. I saw love. I know love, heard his voice, saw his smile, tasted his rainbow kiss, felt his honey hands on me. A capacity opened wide as he nestled into the bosom comfort of his fervent desire. Our stars are aligned, one house dominates. I think in the path of it all, the arrangement is because of us. The subordinate owner lovingly watches in agreement just to dominate from the subordinate treasure. Whichever. You are priceless platinum to me. Absolutely to me. Feeling all types of ways about you at once. So damn exhilarating. Fresh bouquet from a realm of ecstatic purple. I smile the depth that is seen as my thoughts of you project symmetry my faith in death. Can only smile while losing control to the awesome honor of love. Yes, you can. Hmm. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. I'm going to ask Queen Zipporah to give some responsive feedback because that's also a part of our free uh, publishing tips hour we uh, do free critiques to our callers that call in that read poetry to let them know uh, what they should know as for how their poem impacts on its readers, on its listeners. 
that is. So Queen Zipporah, what would you like to share with Queen Poetress, Lady of Love, in response to that piece she just shared? Well, you know, I'm sorry, but I had trouble. I couldn't hear her because she was going in and out. Okay. So what I'll do is I'll get some responses. Okay. It's a short piece. It's not that very long. Okay. And I'll read it again if, if, it, if time permits this to be. Yes. All right. Yeah. Sure. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I got it again. This is called Like Wild Cherry. Like Wild Like Wild Cherry. You guys yeah. are still with me? Yes. Okay, because you faded for a second, so then it's, it's talk shoot. All right. I've felt your wild cherry kisses. You know the ones you sent because you couldn't be here. They were so strong, they left trails in the wind, scented with your loving aroma. I saw them fly over the stars and commute them to my heart, expressing your message in verbal rhythm, identifying specifics. You give me loving thrills with the knack of your gentleman with a purpose of shower-pleasing, pleasure with elegance. I prayed for a love like this, so certain as your refinement adopted my heart as your subtle gravity pulled me into your world, showering my understanding with highlights, smiling to your no, yeah. We danced through a promenade as if the section belonged to us. Truth, it mm. did. Captivating logic ushered our mental glide along garden delights, enjoying gypsy serenades tuned to the bottom and top of hearing as the middle registered ownership. Years had moved along time's corridor. I saw love. I know love. Heard his voice. Saw his smile. Tasted his rainbow kiss. Felt his honey hands on me. Her capacity opened wide as he nestled into the bosom, comfort of his fervent desire. Our stars are aligned. One house is dominant, I think, in the path of it all. The arrangement is because of us. The subordinate owner lovingly watches in agreement just to dominate from the subordinate treasure. Whichever. You are priceless platinum for me. Absolutely to me, feeling all types of ways about you at once, so damn exhilarating, fresh bouquet from a realm of ecstatic purple. I smile the depth that is seen as my thoughts of you project symmetry in my face in depth. Can one smile while losing control to the awesome honor of love? Mm. Yes, she can. And peace. Hmm. I'm gonna open the lines. Uh, Queen Zipporah. Mm-hmm. Now, were you able to hear the poem in full this time? Uh, yes, I was. Okay. Um, could you render some responsive feedback to Queen Poetress, Lady of Love, please? I would say that poem was about. Let me put it this way, put my words together, you know, thinking about someone when they are not there physically. Like, mm. you remember, you know, what they look like 
you know, um, in the app. Okay. Am I supposed to respond to that? Okay. It's some of it, yeah. Some of it, yeah. Yeah, so basically, you know, you put together a poem of what a person, you know, is uh, what a person looks like when you don't, or, you know, always, when you don't always see them, but, you know, they're still in your memory. Hmm. Exactly, yeah. It's all about loving somebody. Mm-hmm. It's all about having known what love is and being that um, you, if you've ever known, you, you, it didn't go anywhere. It's still there. Uh, no matter what goes on, you, I'm whole love. I'm, I'm just whole 100% love. Mm-hmm. Whoever comes near me, if they don't touch me with whole love, they can't get to me. They, mm-hmm. they're just floundering, mm-hmm. and definitely whole love will pick it up and move on. Mm-hmm. All right. So basically, that was a personification of love poem that you just read. A personification of what? Of love. Is where I say, you know, my viewpoint is a personification of love. The poem, a personification of love. Absolutely. It is love, yes. Okay, Zipporah, would that be all? Is there anything more that you'd like to add to that before I share my responsive feedback? Oh, yeah, one is... Um, I do have one question about, you know, the fruit. Why um, the fruit cherry? Does it have a meaning? Well, the sweetness of love. Mm-hmm. Love is sweet. Mm-hmm. And I like cherries and wild cherry, you know, it, that, mm-hmm. came, that just came out of my spirit. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So will that be all for you as for questions, the Queen Zipporah? Yeah. Okay. And we'll come back to you when we have the next one, but I'm going to give some responsive feedback now. Um, Queen Poetess, I love the colorful and descriptive language. The way you wrote the poem you told, you narrated a story of love, and what comes to my mind is the quest of love and how um, even you begin to use the astronomical uh, reality of um, various, the houses, you know, referring to astronomy, astrology, and how love is something beyond earth. Love is in the heavens just as much as it is in the earth, Mm. meaning love is timeless. Mm. Um, uh, You know, a lot of times people tend to want to say, you know, love, is one thing. Love 
is boundless. Uh, Love no. knows no bounds. And I felt that in that piece. But when you begin to share about the cherry, wild cherry kisses, I thought of how love to you is a very, very special and sweet, passionate experience. Mm. And it's something that it doesn't leave, you know, it doesn't fade away. You could have said love is like a rose, and we know, you know, roses, they have a fragrance, but after a while that fragrance doesn't linger. But to say cherries and, you know, that's something you put in your mouth and, you know, you savor, mm-hmm. you swallow, you ingest, you know, it becomes a part of you. There you go. And I think that you really went in deep with that piece. I thought that it was stellar. And it kind of took me out of my presence into another dimension. And I think that's what love does. So I really strongly did feel the power of love in that piece. You really did. You really did love justice with that piece. (laughs) (laughs) And the romantica side of love, I think, you know, that sweet romantica uh, side of love, I think you really did it justice with your pen and... um, on. I would love to hear that piece with a sequel, but with you with a collab partner like uh, you and Masterscribe, you know, how you and Mr. Boston do, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> to hear I, the his side of, of I, the I narrative. Don't, I don't think I've introduced that piece to him yet. I, I'm not oh. But I, I, I don't think so. I don't think he I, – I put it out, and Facebook is doing some dumb stuff. This piece just came back through the the, the uh, feed, and I'm seeing people hitting it today, and I put it out Friday. Today's Tuesday, right? Oh, right. That's right. That piece out Friday. Mm. And people are hitting it, talking about, in other words, their, their conversation and comments. They're just seeing the piece. Mm, mm, mm. I, I, you know, I went away. I've been away now. I, I, I've been back home a week, right? I've been home a week. And okay. And a, a picture that I took with my family, I put that through right away, and it's just circulating And within the last day or so. Wow. I don't know what Facebook is doing. I'm going to tell you what I believe. They mm-hmm. want us to connect because we have been connecting too well. Mm. And communicating too well. If, mm-hmm. if you notice, there's a lot less nonsense on Facebook. When I say that, a lot less foolishness mm-hmm. on there. There are some real issues, some real life issues coming through news feed. Of course, there's going to always be the garbage. You know what I'm saying? Right, exactly. The most part, there is some real, real human interest stories and facts coming through, and they do not want us to find out truth, because what will truth do? Mm -hmm. 
It frees us. Yeah. It's free. And if mm. I get free, if my hands, my mental hands are free, what do you think I'm going to do with you? I'm going to untie you, too. That's right. <laughs> so on and so on. And they're holding well spoken. Mm-hmm. They're holding us back, and that's true. I, I, I feel that thing in my spirit, and I, I just know I, I'm not wrong. I know that's what it is. Now the thing is to do to figure out how to combat this madness with these idiots. That's the thing. That's right. Yes. Uh, Queen Frank, this is Queen Zephora Selman. Yes. I like to comment on, you know, what you said about with the truth that you free with the, you know, the, inform- the hidden information. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that I had noticed about in my first novel is preparation. Hmm. Because I know that the first half of my novel, the beginning of it, is the first half is preparation. And then the action slash adventure happens, you know, in, you know, Paris. Okay. So the very first portion or first half, it's the yeah. preparation for what comes next. Yeah. So you lay the foundation. You give a lot of information, which is so very critical. I think with any novel, it's good to have that introduction part really meaty in terms of a lot of detail because then you're preparing the mind, you're preparing the heart, you're preparing the very spirit and soul even of that individual to carry on to what's happening in the next phase of the story. So you have to have that foundation laid first. So, yes, I follow what you're saying. And also, Queen Friends, what you said about the descriptive writing that, you know, the Lady of Love had in her poem. That's mm-hmm. how, you know, my writing is the description. Even though, you know, two people have said it was too much description, but I kept it. Because mm. you have to remember, if you remove details, you have to look at how a story is connected. So if you remove a connection, then you're also removing it from, you know, you remove a connection from one chapter, then you're breaking it, you know, from the up from that connection that's in the other chapters. Yes, indeed. I agree with that. You've got to keep the the details. You've got to keep the details. They make the story vivid. Mm -hmm. They add boldness Mm -hmm. and color. You know, without them, you're going to miss a lot of the meaning. Mm Mm-hmm. It'll, like, go right over your head. Yeah. <laughs> like, what was that? <laughs> you know you saw something. It's like, what? what? Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to figure out, was it, was it a bird? <laughs> what was it that I saw? <laughs> yeah. And uh, speaking of the, uh, like you said about the detail, I was also I saw on Facebook how someone had posted up a picture of Medusa. Not the Greek monster, but mm-hmm. the African goddess, you know, who was uh, – she was from, oh, goodness, I can't remember which country, but where she looked like she was totally different from the monster. Mm, in the, right, the Greek uh, mythology Medusa, okay. Yeah, but the real Medusa was, you know, she was said to be the African, you know, um, goddess of, <clears throat> the African goddess of, deities, of the deities. Mm. Mm. 
Now say that once more, the African goddess of the... Of the deities, of the gods. Of the deities, okay. Yes, yes, and and the name was still Medusa, or was it a yes. different... Okay. No, it was still Medusa, and the way, you know, the Greeks had made her into this monster, you know, the mm-hmm. the monster had snakes, you know, had snakes in her hair. Right. Right, but the original Medusa, her hair was just, like, pulled back. It was, you know, twisted in the weave. Hmm. Wow, yeah, you gave me something to look up. Yeah, Interesting. Had, thank you. You're welcome. Someone had posted it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was some time ago now, yeah. That just broadens your horizon, getting that information. It really does that for me. Um, it enhances my perspective on the Medusa mm-hmm. uh, legend, you know, for so long, I had been so accustomed to the Greek mythology mm-hmm. uh, legend of, of Medusa and what that story had to offer. But now hearing uh, that the first Medusa was actually an African goddess who was a deity, and it was far different from what the Greek myth mm-hmm. uh, depicted of her. Wow. <laughs> So I'm, you gave me something uh, for homework, something to look up and um, do some studying about. Thank you. You're welcome. And so there's a whole lot of information is just purposely hidden. Mm-hmm. Because I figured, well, just people are just going to read what they know. And so the fear is that delusional fear of being finding out the truth. And then, you know, in other words, you're freeing your thinking. In other words, you're, you freed your thinking. And it can't be imprisoned anymore. Mm-hmm. And you'll start a war. I believe you know, that. You start a war for telling, you know, the truth. For telling the truth, isn't that something? Um, it it put me in mind of the uh, there's this gem stone uh, called Tanzanite, and Tanzanite was always in existence. And you can only find um, Tanzanite in Africa. But it wasn't until, I guess, the the past maybe score, 20 years, 10 to 20 years, that Tanzanite was discovered. Mm -hmm. It was always here. Mm -hmm. Very beautiful uh, blue stone. And it has a brilliance to it that, to me, I've always liked the sapphire, which also happens to be my birthstone, but Tanzanite to me has a certain luster and brilliance to it that the sapphire blue doesn't. And it's amazing that, you know, even in the heavens, I I consider like the planet uh, the same as uh, gemstones in the earth, um, hidden hidden beauties, hidden treasures. Um, Now there's the discovery of the new planet, and uh, NASA is uh, testifying and witnessing of um, how now they're discovering these planets. They've always been in existence, but now they're saying now they're in uh, our, uh, you know, in our galaxy now. We can see them now. They're getting closer to Earth. (laughs) And I said, wow, it's amazing. There's so much 
more than what we already know. And that's why you have to keep an open mind Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of beauty. There's a lot of glory. There's a lot of brilliance. There's a lot of just life that exists that is beyond what we've always known. And imagine if those miners didn't dig and keep digging, Tanzanite, we would never have known existed. And it's a very beautiful gemstone. But it just goes to show you, you know, they could have just said, well, oh, there's nothing there. You know, we already know this is here. The emeralds are here. The diamonds are here. Let us just be content with that. But in someone's heart of hearts and in someone's mind, they knew there's something more in this earth. We need to dig. And so they did dig, and Tanzanite was discovered. And I'm sure there's even more gems <laughs> that will be discovered. And it's just amazing. We're in a we're in a very I I'm so glad to be born and alive during this time where it's like we're take we're willing to take the limits off. We're willing to challenge ourselves and to say there's more out there, even as far as space and and space discoveries and science and technology discoveries. There's more out there than what we already know, so let's go digging and find it. Because it's ours for the taking if we're willing to go there. And I think that if we have that mindset and perspective, even with writing, being literary artists, there's no limit to where we can advance to. With our pens, right? And uh, Queen Francis, Queen Zephora. Another mm-hmm. word that I had learned is called muckrakers, and they are people that write, you know, what they see. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's. Did you say muckrakers? Yeah. Interesting. Is that M U C K R A C K E R S? M U M U C K R A K R A. K-E-R-S. Rack. Okay. Muck rackers. Interesting. Hmm. And these are the thinkers, the ones that write what they think. You know, write what they see. They write what they see or what they yeah. think? What they see. What they see. Okay. Now, that's, that's a story in and of itself. Because some only write what they see, and then others write what their mind can fathom, which is more than just what the naked eye can see. So there's various levels one can go as for their writing. And I don't know, I I was a Star Trekkie. I came up during that time, go where no one has ever gone before. (laughs) And I think that message, I took it to heart now that I reflect on some things that I was daring enough to do in my life. And I think that that's a good thing. You know, sometimes people say, oh, beware. You know, your mind sometimes could take you places where you don't really want to go. Well, I'll say this. I'd rather go somewhere that I don't really want to go and learn something that I didn't already know than to just sit in the same boat 
day after day, night after night, twiddling my thumbs, saying, I know there must be something better than this. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like you got to come to that point in your life where you say, look, you only live once, so why not be daring? You only come this way once. I'd rather be daring, discover some new discoveries, than to just sit, twirling my thumbs, and wondering about, there must be something better than this. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to go to Philip. I know he's ready. Welcome back, Philip. Yes, Miss Francine. Yes, yes, we definitely want to hear a poem and give us something to really uh, get our minds pondering on something beyond just what we are used to thinking about. Is is, is it Queen Sephora still there? Yes, Yes, he is. Okay, Queen Sephora, I know, um, well, I'm going to give you um, a little encore, and I know... um, Miss Francine had it, um, adored this poem. Well, I'm gonna um, read this to you, and I'm gonna get your um, critique. But Francine, before I, uh, I read this poem, I want to make uh, an important announcement. I forgot to uh, mention this earlier. Um, sure. I want to let you, yeah, I want to let your audience know that those who are still um, interested in wanting to get a copy of my book, The Testimony of Most to Greatness, is available on Amazon on Kindle for um, $9.95. And those who wants the um the hard cover copy, they can go to um www.fivebooksontheweb.com. dot com. That's actually Infinity's publishing website. Excellent. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, and one and one last uh, one last announcement which I have to make, Francine, and I and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get read the poem. Um, well, I think I text you. Uh, I, I think I text you um a while back. I'm gonna get um Queen Sephora's opinion on this too. If I read the poem. Um, Queen Sephora, I want to ask you a, a question uh, real quick. Um, I got a, um, an email uh, last week from um, this um, with this lady. She lives right here in Velosa, Georgia. She's actually um, on a committee. And uh, once a year, which I've been invited to it, they have what they call uh, um, the Southern Georgia Literary Festival. And um, she's sending information on uh, on my Facebook page. But I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how did they – and give my contact information. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, um, this is what she said. She says that um, in uh, 2016, they're going to be having the, um, a festival, and she wants me, um, you know, to attend. And uh, Francina, uh, um, have you ever heard of this, um, this author? Um, what is, uh, I can't pronounce her name. I know she's supposed to be there too. She actually um, writ, uh, written a novel called "The Church Say Amen." You know what I'm talking about? Oh yes. He's pretty um, renowned at this time. That book has um, acquired her a lot of notoriety, positive. Uh, he has a following. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's supposed, yeah, 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 she's supposed to be there on um, on uh, at that event. So, Mr. So far, so far, I want to ask you a, a question. I, I want to get uh, Francine in this too. The book, read the poem. Very important. Um, when I okay, number one. Should I attend this um, this festival? And number two, when I get there, oh, okay, well, I'm trying to say, how is this actually going to um, benefit me? And how come it's so important for me to um, 
you know, ten minutes because I know uh, I've been requested to go to it. Hmm. All right. Well, for, your, for the first question is that you want to research about this festival before you attend it because if it's something that you've never heard of before, learn as much as you can about it. Now, uh, how much? In other words, is there a fee for attending? Um, well, the, um, the, uh, the lady I spoke with, I gave her a call. You know, actually, she's the comedian. It's going to be down here in Georgia. And um, I know she said that the um, uh, the, the, the fee for, um, you know, local artists said it's um, with cheap, $125 for the fee. That sounds like a conference, a festival. I mean, $225. Uh, yeah, that is... Uh, no, $125. No, no, $125. No, $125. $125. That yeah. sounds, you know, like a conference, you know, even though it's 125 because many these conference fees are in the, up in the hundreds to a thousand. And the person, this committee person that invited you, did she tell you why? Um, well, here's the thing, though. She said, um, when she sent me the, um, the email on my Facebook, I know she says that, um, every, and matter of fact, my aunt, you know, she actually, um, she writes a book too, so she actually, um, you know, tend to, I'm, I'm probably uh, give her a call to get more information. I think she's been to those before. But um, the only thing she said that she said that they have those things like uh, every year here in Georgia, and she says that um, they invite like all the uh, the local authors to come and meet um, other authors. You know, they get to sit to talk with them. The, um, it's kind of, it's kind of like what, what Francine does on her show, where you actually get to meet the author to know about their philosophies. You know, what motivates them and um, how what other encouragement can they give. The other authors, and I know she said this, but it's uh, it's, uh, it's going to be on the 13th and the 14th, which is going to be in May 2016. As a matter of fact, when I was talking to her, she said that the um the, the, the um on the, on the 13th, that's where um you know we go and uh, meet the authors when we have like a refreshment. And she also said on the 14th, that's where we're going to have um like a book festival, like you bring your books and you sell them. All right, well, what I can recommend is to do what you feel is comfortable. Because if you don't, you're not too familiar, you know, with this festival, you know, at well, after you learn, you know, about, learn information about it, and then you do what's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, that's the thing. And I know when I did, when I asked people around, they said, well, festival is really, really good, though, because you get to me like a, um, a lot of people, right? And, and I've never really, really been to a festival before in my life. So, like you said, maybe this could be like a great um, opportunity, even to meet the um, the author who actually wrote the book, um, the church say Amen, which is going to be on a BET very soon. Well, like I said, if you feel that opportunity is going to, you know, help you, then go ahead and take the risk. So I've never been to a festival before either. But it's somewhat, it sounds similar. I've never been to a literary festival, but it sounds similar to a conference where you go and you meet, you know, you know the different, you know, people, like agents, editors. And, and since there's going to be this well-known author, that can be an opportunity. You can connect with her, and she, and she can be of help. Okay. So, Francine, what do you think? I have to say that I would agree with Zipporah. Um, her advice is most appropriate, I would say, for you pertaining to this matter. Okay. Okay. And I always advise a person, go with your gut. If you don't have peace about doing a thing, it's a reason for that, you know. Um, 
whenever you're troubled about something and your soul is troubled, apparently there's something not right about it. I will tell anyone, go with your gut. Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, just I the idea that he's asking us concerns me. That lets me know that he's not at ease mm-hmm. with that proposal, and it's a reason for that. So I'm glad that you shared with him the insight that you shared so far. Yeah, so like I said again, I just I just wanted to know because as a matter of fact, I think I know um, after talking to my um my aunt and my aunt she writes books and I know she's actually been through um you know those book festivals. So I guess um, I can just talk to her. And if it's okay, then I'll attend. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. you go with your you know go with your feeling. If you feel comfortable, then do it. If not, then don't because you don't want to you know make a big mistake and like oh I wish I hadn't done it. Uh, an important thing that you arm yourself with is information. Yes, yes. Because like I said again, because the lady, the lady who's on the community, she actually sent me some, um, you know, some material. But I haven't read the other uh, material, you know, over and over again. I read the, um, what the festival is about, and and he even showed like some of the authors is really going to be there. So I really have to go back and actually, you know, reread the whole thing over and over again just to make sure everything is legit. Right, that's good. You're doing the right thing, going on the right track. Okay, okay. Well, with that being said, um, uh, Lady Sephora, I am going to give you this poem, and it's short and sweet, and just to get your elaboration on it. Okay, it's called Flame, and it reads, Girl, my mind, body, and soul is burning inside of me like a flame of heat. For your unconditional love is what is keeping me standing on my own two feet. Girl, my mind, body, and soul has transitioned me into a romantic, exotic zone. Communicating with you through our mind, body, and spirit is a sign to let you know that I will always be your backbone. Girl, my mind, body, and soul, and deep in the being, continues to burst up into flames. Having someone like you in my life will always remain. And this is the encore. Mm-mm-mm. I like that. <laughs> Go ahead, Queen Zephora, because he wanted to hear from you first. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. I was, you said it was short. I forgot. I was just, you know, like listening to the words and all. But, yeah, that's, you know, it's really inspiring. I mean, it's not only inspiring, but it's effective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you said it's titled Flame? Flame, F-L-A-M-E. All right. So, you know, what inspired you? What made you write this poem? Well, you know, like I had told uh, Francine earlier in the beginning of the segment that, um, you know, whenever you write things down, you get you get inspired by imaginary. Because I told Francine that back in the day, I used to watch um, this program when I was in New York, uh, Bob Ross. I'm sure you know who he is. And um, he was a painter. And one thing that Bob Ross used to tell his audience that your imagination will take you places where you need to go. So... To answer your question, I was inspired by just using my imagination. Mm-hmm. All right, that's good. I mean, that's, you have you have quite an imagination. Yeah, that's what it's all starts from. Starts from the brain. Starts from the mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this poem is it a love poem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more just a love poem. It's actually you no know, letting the um, you know, female know that um, you know they're like the environment of flame because when you when you think about flame, you think about uh, um. An element that keeps the body warm, especially when it's cold outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say, I enjoy 
Each time when he said girl, it was the way he said it, like <laughs> he put that um deep emotion behind him saying it. You could feel it. Like he's talking about not just a girl but the girl. You know, the one that really uh means something to him. You know, he makes you he convinces you that he's talking about a special girl, not just a girl. And, you know, she's that flame. And I don't know if he's familiar with the um, saying uh, twin flame, but that's a real old saying. And a person who is your twin flame is kind of like, it's synonymous with saying that person is your soulmate, in a sense. And I kind of get that impression from that piece that he's talking about his twin flame in that piece. Not just some woman or some girl, but the one for him. It kind of made me think of one of them old school R&B songs. <laughs> you know, like, you know, you start snapping your fingers like, mm, yeah, you talking about his girl. <laughs> you know, like that. So um, I commend him for the writing of that piece because, I mean, that passion really flowed through his ink in that piece. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go to uh, Mr. Boss, and then we're going to California, and then we're going to open the mics, and everybody's going to do like a, a poet speed round. We're going to have everybody involved. You too, Queens of Pora. You ain't getting out of it. Oh, I know you're an urban yeah. fantasy writer, but... Have a poem ready. Do me have a poem ready? Yes. Oh, boy. Why are you going to put me on the spot like that? <laughs> or are you going to freestyle because everybody's going to participate? <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. So I'm going to have to whip up something really good. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, we're going to go to Mr. Boston right now. Welcome back to the mic, Mr. Boston. Hey. You know A.K.A. A. Master Scribe, I tell you. <laughs> I'm just stepping through. You know, y'all got y'all got my collab partner over there. Yes, I'm gonna open her mic in case y'all wanna do some dialogue. Well, I'm gonna I'm 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 first. I'm going to try to do my latest entry that I did earlier, and then whatever happens after that, it happens. You know what I'm okay. saying? Okay, I heard I'm that. I'm just here. Do what it do. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like running around crazy. You know, I finally, you know, my I'm mad because I got accepted in this private school, as I told you. Oh, I, excellent. Congratulations. But then I had to change because the VA didn't want to pay $63,808 a year for me to go to finish out my degree. So I ended up having to to transfer to another private school, which is mm-hmm. just as good and might be even better because the, a lot of the uh, school work is hands-on. So that's oh, cool. okay. And this other school was pretty much the first year was all classroom, and the second year was uh, application. So this school is... Uh, much, much better, I think, and I'm I'm really going to get a lot of hands-on, which I really enjoy myself, so it is what it is. 
you know. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm mad because I'm mad. I'm really mad because uh, the school that I got accepted to only have five black students, and I'm one of the black mm. one of the black students. That's one reason why I wanted to go because it was kind of like making history for me. Right. Yes, indeed. And I had an opportunity to, you know, to deal with some people that don't know anything about black history, don't know anything about black culture, about black life, you know. And that was my opportunity to to really step into that uh, arena. But the VA said no, and I ended up having to do some quick stuff now. And so hmm. I... They finally wrote my program, so I'm ready for I'm ready for September eighth now, you know. Ready, 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 you know, to continue my education. So that's what mm-hmm. it is. Yep, yep, yep. So that's what's going on with Mr. Boston. You know? Well, we congratulate you because you are definitely moving up even higher with your academic um uh, achievements and we applaud you on doing that and um best of success yeah you know i i have to say this to everybody for those who are incarcerated you know we have to deal with the with the justice system and the police system and the penal system Mm -hmm. i had to deal i had to deal with them for a number of years but I'm going to say this to each and every one of y'all who's been behind the wall, who's coming up and behind the wall, and those that's still in there. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm saying this. Don't come from behind the wall and go back into that same environment that you came out of. Come up and behind the wall and educate yourself so you can move forward. Um they are they're about to I think President Obama's about to sign a bill here mm-hmm. next couple of weeks of um of those people behind bars who want to go to college can get grants that will pay for their schooling while they're behind the the wall. And I just saying to each and every one of you who are behind the wall, I'm telling you you better jump on it because it's going to change your life for better. I've, I I found out in my in my walk from behind the wall that you know if you get that that paper behind you they're gonna look at you a little bit different even though they're gonna hold you being incarcerated to you but they're gonna look at you a little bit different I'm telling you what I know for fact what I know fact and I was I was just I was just playing around and and, and I sent all five. Uh, resumes and no notice that I'm not completed school but the school that the degrees that I do have I sent off resumes and four out of five of those people contacted me. Four mm-hmm. four four of them contacted me. And one specifically told me I would hire you if you could come to Ohio <laughs> but I'm not ready to leave Boston yet because this is where the education is at right here. I'm not ready to leave. Hmm. Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. So I'm just saying don't put can't take can't out of your vocabulary because that's gonna be that one word that is going to stop you. Can't. Mm-hmm. Say I can. I can and I'm a living witness to it. 
we can. You so can. That's, that's right. Yep. Yep. Well that's stated. That's mean. <laughs> wow. Okay. Y'all ready for me? Yes, we are. We're ready. <laughs> this is out of my norm because I'm trying something kind of new, another genre of uh, portrait for me. Okay. This is called Pimp on Ego. Mm. Pimpy cries to justify an ongoing abuse. Playing round robin games with himself, still trying to figure out to understand the same game he is playing plays him like a green apple sucker. Not realizing he is a simpleton trick on a male feminine, feminine ego. Switching like a woman he had tricked out and pimped his character, selling his integrity for expensive shoes, a fur coat, and a big brim hat. Against justification facing objectivity and subjectivity for a mere dollar. Justifying pimping as human nature by passing up being a fresh a fresh spirit, but as reality producing old fruit. Attached to outdated middle maps with vast talk twisted with big tits and nice ass and a whole world of bodies to his delight. Because his mentalities are forces of complex rhetorical characters, he himself a bigger fool than himself in a game that stresses his brain in a skeptical mood. That gives him a false sense of a description of player who chases his ignorance like a prize in a cackerjack box. He strips his, his straps of Black and white washes in his human nature like a skunk in a mindset corresponding with the child associated with followers' beliefs. Following in a game that reveals him cheap as a dog trying to find manhood in a state of self-deception and self-betrayal. Like a bad chess game played in his pimp game in a balled-up perception filling in his own ebullience shut off from the light of mind in a black frame, lacking true vision, but the glitters in the ideal pots of plots corresponding like a bubble that I just bursted with a pen, popped, scribbling upon his forehead. Trick in peace. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. Yeah. And please restate the title of that piece. <laughs> Pimp on Ego. Pimp on Ego, wow. Mm-mm-mm. I'm just trying something new. I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> I'm just wow. I'm just trying all kind of genres of portrait, you know, to see what works, you know. <laughs> I'm going to ask um, Queen Zipporah. Mm-hmm. I'm here. Uh, would you like to give some feedback on that piece to Master Scribe, please, Mr. Boston? Thank you. Yeah, he read it so fast. <laughs> and what was it called again? Like Temp was still having Temp on like, Ego. Temp on Ego. Yeah, he read it so fast. <laughs> so are you requesting him to reread yeah, that and just a slow, mo- slower uh, yeah. paint for you? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll read it slow. Uh-huh. Temp, he cries to justify an ongoing abuse. Playing around Robin game with himself, still trying to figure out to understand the same game he is playing, plays him like a green apple sucker. Not realizing he is the simpleton trick on a male feminine ego, switching like a woman he has tricked out and pimped his 
pimped out his character, selling his integrity for expensive shoes, a fur coat, and a big brim hat against justification, facing objectivity, and subjectivity for a mere dollar, justifying pimping as a human nature by passing up being a and a fresh spirit, but as reality-producing old food attached to outdated mental maps with fast talk twisted with big tits, nice ass, and a world of bodies to his delight. Because his mentalities are faucets of complex rhetorical characters, he himself a bigger fool than himself in a game that stresses his brain in skeptical moods, that gives him a false sense of descriptions of player who chases his ignorance like a prize in a crackerjack box. His stripes of black and white washes in his human nature like a skunk in a mindset corresponding with child associated with followers' belief, following in a game that reveals him cheap as a dog trying to find manhood in a state of self-deception and self-betrayal, like a bad chess game played in his pimp game in a bald perception failing in his own ebullience, shut off from the light of mind in a black frame like a true vision but glitters in the idea of pots of plots, corresponding like a bubble that I just bursted with a pen. Scribbling upon his forehead, correct in peace. I would say that that piece, you know, that poem, sounds like failure failing itself. That's what men do when they get out there and try to pimp somebody. They ain't doing nothing but failing themselves, exactly. Mm-mm-mm. And selling <laughs> themselves for cheap. Exactly. Yeah, that's so, a failing, F A. F A I L I N G, not selling. Failing. You're failing, <laughs> not selling, but failure. Failure is a failing itself. Mhm. 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 Goes right along with that. Goes right along with it. And you know, it's sad to say, but self-respect is becoming a lost art in this mm-hmm. day and time. And I think. The, and what was the title one more time? Because I want to get that right. I don't want to say the wrong, the title of that poem again. Pimp Devil Ego. Now say it one more time, a little slower for me. Pimp on Ego. Okay, Pimp on Ego. And that's the problem because there's too many pimps on Ego. <laughs> That's why we're seeing all that we're seeing. And and our men, unfortunately, aren't uh, wising up to that fact yet. And someday, hopefully someday soon, they will, the ones that haven't. And thank heavens for the men that have, that are wise to that. And they know, you know, they know that's just, that's not the way. That's just not good. And and it's it, it's time to turn around the ship because the ship is heading for that iceberg like the Titanic. And we know what happened to the Titanic. Mm, we don't want to see a double take of that. Mm, that's right. That's yeah. right. So... Thank you for writing that piece. That's a very strong piece. Some people might not be ready to hear all that. Queen Fran is Queen of is not the people, but it's what's inside of them that did 
know that you know okay. I want to call it evil spirit that's uh, <laughs> okay. that's not ready you know is not ready to hear or see all of that because it was not supposed to be discovered. Mhm. And uh, Queen Fran, little Queen support. Can I read my poem? You know, so I I'm ready to sign off. Yes, yes, please do. All right, so the poem, the title of this poem is called An Addition. It starts with things in common greeting, which attracts people for meeting, favorites and colors and hobbies, which creates a bond. Then the beginning evolves into contacts, hanging out, learning about one another, and realizing that love starts to grow so strong that friends become additional family members. Despite different individualism, the whole package is accepted while enduring or ignoring the dislikes. It is called friendship. Hmm. I like that. Thank you. Uh, And it's a testament to what friendship truly means. I think in this day and time, we have a lot of people that misinterpret what a friend is, and they call just anything as well as just anyone their friend. (laughs) And I think that when you really take time to reflect and uh, truly understand what friendship really is and what it does for a person, then you won't use that word friendship so loosely or that word friend so loosely. And I commend you on writing that piece. That's a good piece. Yeah, thank you. And uh, what do you think, Master Scribe? I, you know, it's short, concise, to the point, and I think you have a very, I let me put it, you have a very level, smooth way of putting words, and they're so plain. They're so plain that you can understand that. And I like your style. You know, I'm a little bit complicated. I know I get a little bit complicated, but I like the style. I, I, I try to write like that mm-hmm. in a very smooth, concise way. But every time I do that, it don't come out right. So I have, to, I have to use my vocabulary that I have. I have to continue. You have to, you know, practice. Yeah. Everybody has their, the style. Is that Everybody has their style, their own style. And once it's discovered, mm-hmm. just keep it. Don't try to copycat, you know, somebody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. But just mm-hmm. improve on what needs to be fixed. Right, right, right. And that's what mm. I try to do. Well, every time I try to, every time I try, I write a piece, I try to best me because I challenge my own mind and I challenge mm-hmm. my own thoughts. I, I, I constantly do that and I, I'm always challenging myself. So, mm-hmm. And what comes out comes out, you know, and it, it, it do what it do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Well, thank you for the y'all for the feedback. So I'm gonna have to sign off now. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Queen Zipporah. We thank you for all that you shared on the platform tonight. And what we're gonna do for everyone that's still on the call, we're gonna uh, just have poetry read, and we're just gonna keep it flowing. We're all gonna right. keep it flowing. I'm gonna check California. Uh, welcome, welcome, California. Welcome to the Exceptional Scribble Show tonight. 
Am I unmuted? Uh, you are unmuted. Welcome. Good, Please good feel free introduce yourself. Uh, this is Samuel Rain, Mr. Complicated Passion. Oh, Mr. Complicated Passions. Mr. Samuel Rain, it's always an honor to uh, reacquaint <laughs> with your pen, and thank you for joining us tonight on the platform. And you're in time. We're going to do our uh, poetry round at this time. We're going to just flow and let it flow. Um, a matter of fact, I have Queen Poetess Lady of Love, Samuel Rain, uh, Philip Berrien. He was the feature artist in the spotlight tonight and Master Scribe. So what I'm going to do is when I call your name to spit your piece, we're going to start with a round because uh, we have complicated passions uh, starting us off. We're going to um, read romantic poetry or poetry about love. Don't put that pressure on everybody. <laughs> That's what I do. You try to add pressure to everybody. Don't add pressure to everybody. Well, hey, they know when they come on this platform, they're going to be challenged. So, you know, I'm just asking what I always ask for, you know? Okay. (laughs) Okay. So it's it's all on me to start, right? Yes, the mic is in the hands of complicated passions, ladies and gentlemen. Tune in and enjoy. I'm like the air you breathe, giving. Never wanting in return, I am thought, whispering for the pleasures of another. Like when temptation says, yes, my love is out to give you. What more could any man desire than to be the beginning of a never-ending story by wanting you? Writing in the pages of your heart, all the tender moments of my hunger to have loved me, please, be everything just before surrendering. And now, the first effect. It was more than a fantasy. She was, well, I didn't have to imagine a thing. She would surrender her dreams. Oh, I squeezed. Hills and valleys, damn, it was pleasure. It would take me to whatever she came like a treasure. Caressed me within her sweet nectar. She whispered, do it again. I capitalized as if I were a Gemini twin. Just to get it in, she brought out the freaking me. Now she knows the time I would take to decipher her dreams, seeing how I turned them into pillows of screen. Complicated passion. Mm. That was smooth like summer rain. Nice and cool, and it fell with a rhythmic quality that just kind of rocks you, you know. I really like that piece. It was tender. It was it was soft, soft and easy, soft and beautiful. That's the way love does. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to move on to Lady of Love. And she's going to spit some fine art, romantic poetry. We're going to keep this flame of love burning bright. Um, being that you have my collabie on over there, can we do a collab? 
Yes, you may. And thank you. Thanks. <laughs> you can't, you can't. <laughs> See, I I have something special for you, but since you want to you wanna jump in and collab. You, you know. had something special. What did you have? A single? I did have one, but uh, All right, I can we, wait. We, I can I can wait. I can wait. No big thing. Okay. Um, I just sent it to you. You you ready with you that? Send, you don't have to send it to me. I have that one in my head. Okay, cool. <laughs> my dear lady, yeah. My dear lady, is it not incomprehensible to believe we are not one? Yet many think so. The relationship is the friendship which grows our imagination relationship with their special toy friend, whereas children with invisible friends tend to imagine an egalitarian relationship. More like a real friend, the freshness is our perception. Who are you, lady? She is your ultra-experience in friendship. Without ceiling or walls, the freedom of imagery to unfold, leaves your soul in wonder as you reach for amazing's waiting hand. The covered fold of one smiles your warm lips and twinkles your eyes like the sun dancing on a misty waterfall. My lady, observation. Familiar is there that kept me mentally pumped simultaneously a fresh reality, presence, and accomplishment. Love has its way of penetration, and have I not in productive confirmation, my dear lady, make a oneness, a pretentious solution without confusion? What does she feel like in this illumination beyond crystal water that catches moonbeams in your hands of presence and mental occupation? She knew your presence, identifying your frontal as the infrared mirror presented your right whole. He, as and is, he, residents himself rooted in her soul, where he brings the complete of his soul in trust to linger. The fingers of his heart massage the message of love in a beat of oneness. He synchronized all at the right, on the left. He is the information particles she breathes. She carries the lantern. He supplies the needed oil. His love courses through her body, kissing and feeding every cell. Heartbeat for the cop. You are a miracle. Wait a minute. I'm hearing some backseat. If someone has their speaker phone on, we need for you to uh, adjust and turn the speaker off because it's giving us some backseat sound. Thank you. You good? Okay, I'm still hearing it. I'm not sure why. Okay, wait, 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 Yeah, wait just a second. Wait just a second. Yes. Please, thank you. 
Okay, I'm still hearing it. Master Squad, do you have any type of a headpiece oh. or earpiece on? It might be his Bluetooth. Oh, okay, yeah, because I'm starting, you know, we were hearing that back feed, and we don't want that to interrupt or disrupt the quality of the uh, poetry being read. Let him speak. What Are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, much okay. better. It's clear now. It's much better. Oh. You want to go All back right. to synchronized heartbeat? Yes, yeah, I will do that. Synchronized heartbeat with the cosmic fluency of her heartbeat. You are a miracle of love embedded in the universe of all love that resides in her insides and radiates her outside. The envelopment of all her elements of her resolve without you, my name, there's no love in liberation. People have a hard enough time figuring out what love is, and then there's love, whether spontaneously or deliberately. You probably felt energized and liberated, not drained or burdened. Do, do that. Do that. In return. She is your preparation. You are hers. Freedom is love abiding in love's wholesome freedom. We journeyed so long in cosmic distance. We answered the unity bell ring for this time again. I love being in your thick circle of embrace. I'm on the radio. I'm not going to start. Satin thread lines are kiss. Red roses are our bed. The antelope dance. The bluebird is singing. Without you, she would not be she. My lady, indeed, for you are an eternal flame that never burns out. Silence is the comfortable quiet we feel when we run out of words to say. Strong passion and fierce love for you lingers. Warrior woman who taught grace, I gaze upon your beauty, finding your spirit propelled me deeper into your inner beauty, and I wonder who's that lady. She is that wood that strokes my embers, igniting the fire within that burns a discreet love song. I search your beautiful eyes, and I'm rapidly drawn in by the beautiful hue of warm brown living there. My God, we search together and sink deep into the familiar oneness where complete meets love's complete. I sink deep, hand claps, never forgotten, knowing glances and pink kisses, fever tongues, and fervent hands and lips anoint the head of love, and the spice runs the body length. Finding an exemplary significance of our whole beautiful nature, who's that lady? A self-evident, who's that lady? A prospective Possession, unavoidable possibility, the one taken home to invention. The mutual satisfaction of their humble excitement is poetry in mental and physical motion. Thought process is so one, color them love, who can find us? He woes her with his charm. She dazzles him with her line. He rhymes with every straggling metaphoric string in midair and descends in climatic in on feathery clouds of warm 
she can catch the back of a song line and loop a sensational chorus beat that speaks Melody's language to his soul. We vibe, baby, in perfect harmony. Well, let me tell you how good that harmony is. It's speechless. Spiritually shaped at the energy horizon, she is, is his mental space of his Pythagorean theorem. To travel through space and time and to communicate with love and her theory of reality, grounded in slow co-conscious utterance, while erectus cognitive powers change slowly, dialogue between verbal and nonverbal forms of utterance and participation. Who's that lady? My awakening existence on our core established capacity on the chain of rapturous love in the tangled, rich experience and struggle of existence. Love's romance, one of the greatest live acts you could ever hope to see. The actual lady love vibration exists at the core of our world's passion. When we meet this planet, when we land on the dirt region and break the chains of barbaric ignorance, a slow suction of our generative life forces is only noticeable over time with our extrasensory capacity rooted in nature in a poly Gentic memory, this love awakens that has spoken to the question, who's that lady? Checkmate, who is she? <laughs> lady of love. Mm. <laughs> I tell you, the the ink flow of your pens, oh, how they mesh. In such a with such a precision <laughs> that I tell you it's like be my echo. <laughs> you know, one starts, the other finishes, and it's the same ebb or essence that's flowing. Though your pins are unique. You have a unique voice, a unique style, but as a collab team, your pens mesh together in such a way that it's like, it's just, I tell you, it, it, it's sensational, it's, it's epic, and it's something that you don't see enough of. So I definitely commend you to on showing the world just how collab partners should flow and how they can. There's an art to that. And you two have masterfully mastered that art in a most clever manner. So I commend you two. Scribe one. Excellent. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh-huh. And I'm going to say a, a a poem, and then we're going to go to Philip, and then we're going to start back with Complicated Passion. And it's all about love tonight. It's all about love. This piece is entitled Romance Romantic. And I know someone's probably wondering what inspired that piece. And I'll have to say Romance. You know, sometimes you just get caught up in that romance, (laughs) that love, that love, that romance. 
in your heart and in your spirit and in your soul. And when you have that special someone, you bounce off of each other, and sometimes it just comes out in a piece. So this piece is entitled Romance Romantic, but it's also showing that um, love has two sides and what those two sides are. And here it goes. To listen to the heart of a neighbor and to share food with a hungry stranger is to live in a world where hatred is prevalent, but to deny it the opportunity to hold residence inside you. Romantic is as romantic does. A warm heart will always express love. Romance is not merely a dinner with wine and roses. It is a lifetime of shunning the wrong for the right and giving more away than you could ever receive in return. Romance is the blanket that warms the soul, the seed that collects the sands, only to deposit them again, renewing their status. Romance is the language of love. It is the dance that never ends, the song that will be sung over again, the starry night that reflects in the glazed over eyes when the lover tells his object of desire, I love you more than life itself. The greatest romantic sentiment is to hold the hand of your lover, to keep their hand in yours, and then to look into their eyes and to gaze there until you see yourself inside. Your soul then becomes tied. There's nothing apart that you want or shall pursue. That's the moment when their happiness makes you happy, their joy fulfilled grants you contentment, You live for their love and won't have it any other way. So then, what is romance? Romance is never losing touch with your love, staying connected, directing your attention and focus onto their needs constantly, not not seeking to have things your way, but rather to have it the way that fits their needs best. When you are romantic, you have surpassed touchy-feely advances and graduated to insisting to know how they feel and what is on their mind. Their needs become your desires. The romantic soul will sing to you, dance with you, laugh with you, and make you laugh too walk with you, talk to you, and talk with you. Just be there, a presence that doesn't fade away. That's romantic. Endurance is romance. End of peace. And we're going to go to Philip at this time. Philip, 
I'm sorry, not Philip. It looks like we have, is that southwest, southwest Louisiana with us? Southwest Louisiana? Yes, ma'am. Welcome. How are you this evening? I'm doing well. Wonderful. I had a busy evening this evening. I thought I'd call in on my way to work and see what was going on. Right. Yeah, I I did notice you, and we did bid you a very uh, productive evening and a safe travels. We understood the situation. We could hear some dialogue going on, and it was medical terminology. And for us that aren't medical people, we said, okay, she's busy. She's on call. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Hey, it's all about being... A community helper, and we can tell that you're just that. So, um, we thank you for joining us tonight. Might you have a poem? And we've been uh, just reciting some poetry on the topic of love, romance. So, if you have yeah, something about I, love or caring, and I'm afraid that I don't, I don't. I was just trying to catch everyone else. <laughs> oh, okay. So you just want to. Um, Kind of sit in the background and listen? Mm-hmm, yes. Okay, and I'll just come to you, of course, to give some feedback, but I don't know if you've heard any of the poetry so far, but if so, if you if you have any uh, feedback, responsive feedback you'd like to give, you're welcome to do oh, so now. Well, thank you. Um, not really, but I did enjoy that collaboration between the earlier two um, callers. That was very yes. nice. Yes. That's a beautiful flow, and your piece was nice as well um, about romance, and I really thank you. Well, thank you so much. We do appreciate that. We do appreciate that. We always hope that the message is easily understood. You know, whenever we give a piece or you know recite a poem, so. Thank you, and hold on tight because you're going to hear some more fine poetry. We have complicated passions. He started off the round, and we're going to go back to him now and hear some more fine art poetry. All right. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you. Complicated Passions, where do you want to take us with this round? We're going to have you as the – you're going to spearhead uh, the theme for each round now. Okay, it sounds good. It sounds good. Um, you know, uh, a lot of my uh, fellow poets, they, they always want to challenge me and say, uh, you don't do any conscious pieces. Well, well I do. I just don't read it. <laughs> yes. You know, and because I, I I prefer love because, to me, love is the most beautiful thing, and there's a lot of confidence out there. And if I could say what I really want to say, I'd be on the news right now, and then or I'd probably be locked up. Mm-hmm. So at the same time. <laughs> so, I but, know what um, you mean. Uh, uh, yeah, because in reality, uh, we, we, we need to do more than just speak up, and that's, that's one of the reasons why I don't do conscious pieces. Like back in the day when I was younger, I was one of those guys who would be on the front line, and I still would be on the front line right now, even with all my responsibilities, looking that I have young children, but, um, you know, and then just getting them prepared to make it in this world, which is a job. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So I'm going to start it off with a little concept piece. It's called Rage of Passion. Mm. Okay. Deception. Broadcast on a daily, changing shit like 
it never happened. My voice just wasn't loud enough. I wanted to share. It seems no one is listening. I can remember when being number one was a good thing, so they said, sounds like poetry, this season we're living in. Like, back in the day, I spoke of a third world country. My friends, classmates all laughed at me because I told them that one day America would be people sleeping in the streets, babies going hungry, women being treated like second class. It blows me to see. Some whites would even let this be. Wait, this is America, the killing tree, telling lies, washing the pages of history. Who's to blame? Well, you know their names. Does Congress ring a bell? Can you echo that? All them motherfuckers need to go to jail. Since they got you believing in that, the hundreds of millions they have killed, yes, a virus upon this land, the European man, Truth, if he can't fuck it, he will kill it. This is not a test. They've done that already. Hatred is his name, and death is his pain. And that is mm, complicated mm, fact. Mm. My, my, my. You said that piece with a vengeance. I felt that. Strong conviction. Strong conviction, brother. Uh, that's a real consciousness piece right there. And you take no prisoners with that. You leave no enemies behind with that piece. I try you to stick tell it truth. right to us. <laughs> I try to tell the truth every time. You yes, know, just, you really did do just that with that piece. And um, it's a piece that I think really needs to be heard. Um, it's a wake-up call piece, you know. Uh, some of us are still asleep, consciously speaking. Um, you know, we need to wake up and realize that this war, this age-old war uh, between uh, the haves and the have-nots and uh, the whites and the blacks, you know, it, it's time for change. You know, we, we need to become united as one race called humanity. And before that can even happen... Each group within the race of humanity has to unite within its own community. And I think that you reveal how there's just been so much malice and and so much strife uh, for ages. It needs to be laid to rest, and it's time for it to be laid to rest. It's time, you know, the old saying, bury the hatchet. But sometimes we know it. Before we can have a revolution, before we can have a change, there has to be a war. There has to be an uprising. So it's also a call to the people, power to the people. Um, come on, let's fight for this thing to be the way it's supposed to be. We're going to have well, to know, fight, you know. Uh, America was headed in a good direction when they elected Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. But as I stated in this poem just about, um, in the 70s, when they start, our jobs start to disappear, they erase the middle class. So when you have 75% of Americans struggling paycheck to paycheck, then uh, the whole game is to control the people and you control them. Even we're still slaves. People don't, they, if they think they're free, then they need to wake up. Because you're not. You clock in every day. They know where you are. You've got a number. It may not be um, 
branded on your body, but it's a piece mm-hmm. of paper that says Social Security, that's your, that's your, your ID number. You know, and, and you have that from the day that you're born to the day that you die. And so you're still a slave. You know, you can work as hard as you want. And slave and still has the same class shit that it's been having. You, you, you have the people, the slaves that are doing well and the slaves that are working hard and the slaves that are even working hard, and then you have people that are just in poverty, you know. And for 40% of the planet to be in poverty, I mean, living barely, Holding mm-hmm. on. That's a shame. They, they spend so much money on war, they can feed everybody on the planet. You know, That's right. if, they, if they just got rid of money, <laughs> so mm-hmm. that would be a start. Mm-hmm. You know, like so that, um, once you, once you that Star Trek thing, yeah. You know, that, that Star Trek thing that, that you, you you brought up. Gene Roddenberry was a visionary, but um, a lot of people didn't see his vision. And he saw a vision of, of people being united and not by, you know, just um, with all this hate that we have in the land. So, I don't know. I'm not going to see it in my lifetime, but uh, maybe one day there will be a change. Mm, I hear that. One day, someday we'll all be free. One day, someday. We're going to go now to Lady of Love, and as Complicated Passions has spearheaded this round, we're going to stay with that same energy flow and keep the consciousness theme going. Conscious peace. We're looking at conscious peace. Ah, conscious peace. You want me to go there. Okay, I think I got something for you. I hope we can. You know, I'm always looking at love. You know, I can't help myself. (laughs) I just love the love, you know. They loved me as a baby and a child and as an adult, you know, and so I'm... I just love to love, but you mm-hmm. know we're going we're going someplace with this. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you on. It's a short little journey, but it, it's what's up. Um, and it's cool. I call this piece "Dear America." Mm. It is raining, cats and frogs today, thundering and all. Mayhaps your firecracker light will be out for a while. I'm sorry. I never found a thing about it that settled comfortably with me. That wasted money could be put to better use instead of celebrating how a country was stolen. How a country from the Indians and established a kidnapping ring, stealing Africans, making them slaves. All that claim to be so awake and aware and love unity have low volume to these facts of atrocities. It's the spotlight that lends volume to your damned voice. Among yourselves, you could care less. Think not that we we who are awake and aware that our sensitivity vibes tingle and we feel genuine and we feel fake. The sickening way of life continues. I'm so waiting to hear a single voice 
say how wrong the way America came to being. Not a word will be uttered as you continue to live off of stolen wealth. If you think I lie, trace it back. As you light your grills and eat apple pie from the sufferings caused by hands that cared only about self. Don't get it twisted. What I would like to hear is your voice admitting to your wrong, like it sounds often disgraceful tones against an African president who became what most of you couldn't. Rose up from slavery to grease the White House built by slave hands. Any wonder? Do you really admit to yourselves who we are as you celebrate in peace? Mm, mm, mm. Very, very, very true. Awesome. Well written. Well written. Thank you, Lady of Love. We're going to... Southwest Louisiana, I'm just going to ask you to give some feedback to Lady of Love about that piece she just did, because that was a very, very compelling piece. Okay, we're going to go on at this time. She'll be back with us. She was disconnected. We're going to go to Mass subscribe, mass subscribe. We're ready to hear another consciousness piece. We, <laughs> <laughs> you sure you want to hear one? Yes, yes, we're sure. <laughs> you know, I definitely had, I definitely had a, I, I definitely had to play a, a play for you because you was gonna answer that question at the end. But I'm gonna do this one. I'll do that. I'll do that one. That one that I wanted to do for you at the end mm-hmm. of the show. <clears throat> this piece is called Systems. Mm. Hours spent trapped in America's legal system. Let me hit this blunt before telling you this story about this now disposition. At least I'll get a chance to tell my side of the story to the judge in the court system who's already tarred and feathered me, sided against me because the color of my skin system. With a vote to send me back to the penal system, and you say the justice system is blind? I mean, blind, fucked up, long, hard, continuous to deal with a 20-year prison system. Let me blow off this mind steam and open your eyes to the new slave system. Fuck you, law enforcement system in your steel plantation systems. Straight to your face with blood force with a black the justice system. Kiss my ass, you simple-ass, unjust, white, racist justice system. While the media system picks us in its gaze and then releases us legally blindfolded by the law back to the streets, while the police exact revenge for verbally blasting them on high-definition TV systems. Because they are the worst in supporting the KKK system. Be prepared because you may be a terrorist in into the system because you're, you harass my people with old Jim Crow laws and Willie Lynch systems. People mm. still ask the same question about the bastards of the law enforcement system. It's always the same answer. The Caucasians want reassurances that what happened to us wouldn't happen to them. But they always fail to survive in the black man system. They live in their self-created fear systems. Sometimes it's an honest 
query. Other times it sounds more like an accusation or it's the black man, poor man's fault, or the black homeless veteran. See, that's the side face of the white man's fault system. But what about the racist two-faced police system? It's the same sort of questions people ask when they are victims, like Ferguson's Michael Brown killed by the police system. What did he do to deserve being targeted by the racist system? We still don't know the answer, and they are unable to reassure anyone in this caste system. Regardless of the color of their skin, of the women and children, that's what has happened to us won't happen to them. The police judge us by the color of our skin system. What we wear make no matter what hood we in hell, they will come to your door and garage and murder you right in front of your children and claim justifiable homicide in their racist white gunned down police system. A far cry from the content of judging a black man by his color. All we know is that when we attempt to fight back, we find out just how deeply dysfunctional the police system, the prison system, the justice system can be. Because a black man is a commodity of the government system to refill the prison system. Young black man, you better understand it's all systematically designed to annihilate the black people and suffocate us with their foot on our economic system. Take note, I'm going to be there to beat them at their own game with my own education system, because the oppression system is an exercise of authority and power in a burdensome, cruel, and unjust manner. It can also be defined as an act or instance of oppressing the state of being oppressed, the feeling of being heavily burdened mentally and physically by troubles, adverse conditions of people, and anxiety. Social oppression is the socially supported mistreatment of experts of a group, category, or team of people or individuals in an institutional oppression occurs when established laws, custom, and practice systematically reflect and produce inequities based on one's membership in targeted social identity groups. If oppressive, our consequences occur to institutional law and, and their custom and practice of institution is oppressive, whether or not the individual maintaining those practices have oppressed intentions, and that's the new slave plantation system. Mm, powerful, powerful, powerful. That's that's the truth. Awesome. That's the truth right there. And you can't get around it. It is the truth. Thank you, Master Scribe, for spitting that peace. Indeed. And I, doing got it. For, I got something for you, though. You got a question? Okay. Hold on to that piece, though, because we're going to come, we'll come back for it. We're going to stay on, on uh, consciousness. I think I might be up now. Let me see. Let me see. Yes. And then we're going back to complicated passions, and we're going to stay in the flow. So we're going to stay with consciousness right now. It's always important for us to remember our beginnings. Remedy is the title of this piece. Remedy, remedy. Remedy for me, the agony I see. This is my plea. Hate crimes of the land minds. Social ills are the cheap thrills. 
When once upon a time, laden with lust, we did trust. There is no view because opaque ash has filled the sky. Our days and nights look the same. The light has fled, we pray in vain. Cruelty flows freely from the bowels of society. The government is playing the game of chess with our lives, but we don't believe this. We fraternize with the enemy. We add insult to injury. The opaque view is the residue of human flesh and bone. Post our wars, world wars. We cry because we cannot speak. We fall because we do not stand. We lie because our minds are weak and our souls are lost. We are become the germ. The death toll increases daily. But we never commit this to mind. We live on a fantasy island. We deny our demise. The end is not near. It has passed, so we say. For all who fail to accept the truth is become their own remedy. Take your own advice and loop it around your throat. Mock the death of the jackal and salute the goat. Rehearse the dance of fools and infer the soul is pure. The irony of your public protests suggests that you are ruthless. Time is still of the essence, and time is yet drawing near. We have space to make amends. We can remedy this present situation. If we just stand still, we all will die. Remedy you, and I'll remedy me. Let us all remedy. The remedy is in me. I see you. The remedy lives in you too. End of peace. Thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. It starts with you first. That's right. And then it can spread abroad. Charity begins at home and then spreads abroad. So combination-wise for so many different things in our lives. If mm. we could understand that particular principle, we wouldn't have this shit floating around in America like it is today is so disgusting. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yes, Lady of Love. So true. So very true. Thank you as well. Thank you. Complicated passions. And what would you like to hear? Let's see. Let's see. Um, We're in August. Trying to think. (laughs) All of them is right around the corner. Pretty much, <laughs> we're at the the end of summer. <laughs> I don't know. Should we talk about summer love or just summer in general and what happens during the summer? Or 
seasons of life? Um, what do you say? Well, uh, this piece right here is called Blank Spaces, and, and it's all about giving back. And, oh, okay. And being, true, and being true to oneself. Okay. And That's it's, uh, in a, it's in a new project that I'm working on. It, it, it may or may not come out in 2016 because I've already written two more books that are coming out in 2016, maybe. Depends on how well this other one continues to do, but uh, it's in a book that's titled Off Paper, and here's this piece, Blank Spaces. It was all the words missing from the truth, not just misunderstanding, but the lie we've been living in, going out like somebody's sin, if you believe in that. This is just my perspective, not trying to change your direction from holding on to a false confession, lost in a moment of disillusion. You can't find truth in it. Risen to control uneducated souls, a fruit made bitter, beaten to submission. It's time to see the possibilities of creation, young minds waiting to be fulfilled with greatness. Complicated passion. Mm. Wow. It's like a news flash. It's a it's a brief report full of a lot. Of details, it 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 just says just what the forecast is in our communities. Yeah. Absolutely, um, just reaching out. You know, it's like um, to share what I used to write. Like this is before I start writing about love because it was it's not enough love out there. We don't, you know, men aren't loving women the way they should. Women aren't loving men, and we're not loving ourselves like we should. And, and you, can, you, you can't give love if you're not loving yourself. And just, I mean, I That's see it right. on Facebook. I hear it on blog talk. I'm like, I'm not feeling it. And, and, that, and that is one of the reasons why, you know, I told you that, that uh, on August the 13th was actually my last interview on blog talk. And, mm. and it will be my last day on blog talk, August the 13th, um, you know, okay. because uh, the audience is what it is. And, and, of course, I seek a bigger audience. I have a bigger audience, so I need to just keep growing. You know, I can't, you know, it's like I, I planted this seed in Blog Talk four years ago. Well, I have outgrown that pot. It, it is time for me to continue to grow, so I have to let these branches move out and spread out. You know, the roots are busted out of that, that little pot I was in. And mm-hmm. now, you know, it's like here's complicated passions, and, and people, they need to feel it, you know, I'm giving it, you know, I'm, I'm telling people the truth about everything, you know, and, and uh, I think that's what we all do as poets. We're truth speakers, truth sayers of, of what's really going on, and, and, and so you got to, you can't limit yourself to such a small package. you got to get out and do more, and that's why I travel. Uh, and for the few people that do hear me, if they get the word, then it's beautiful. If they don't, then, you know, it, it, it's kind of hard when, when you're just out there and people don't really get what you're saying. You know, I, I, I said uh, it, it's not in the words I speak, but the meaning of them. Mm. So that's why I want people just don't hear the words I say. Understand what I'm saying. You know, so uh, I'm doing this interview on More Life Radio, which is, uh, it's a blog talk network. Uh, they don't do poetry on that 
particular network, but that's the one I chose to do my interview on, and it is my last interview, and where I will tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're going to hear some things they've never heard before. And so that's just the way it is. Yeah, so I'm going to have fun. I want everybody to have fun, and I'm just going to keep it real. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, we we love that. We definitely promote that, and we're happy for you. That's what it's all about, being the eagle, you know, soaring to new heights not being uh, bound, uh, being free. That's what it's all about. And artists are free spirits. When you're true to you, uh, true to your pen as a writer, as a literary artist, you have to be free. you got to let it flow. Exactly, exactly. Spread that ink far and wide. Let it go where it's meant to be. <laughs> Don't put any limits. On your pen. Exactly. That's right. Let it grow to whatever length or height or breadth is supposed to grow to. Don't let anybody ever tell you you're only supposed to write this much or you're only supposed to write for this audience. You let your pen speak for you. Your pen will let you know when it's time to pull back. And it will let you know when it's time to reach out even further but to extend farther. And it's all about being one with your pen, knowing your pen, being true to your pen, being true to your craft, and uh, mastering your craft. That's what it's about. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying every moment of it. <laughs> so. Yes, yes, I, I, I can tell that. Um, and thanks for updating us and letting us know What's happening with you, Complicated Passions? Because, you know, we would hate to think that the uh, blog, blog Talk radio show is, is still on and we go there and it's not you. We'd be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. They won't be disappointed. They're, they're going to continue to grow. Uh, that, that is my wish, you know. I mean, I, I will still be around. I mean, I, I'm a part of One Positive Way. You may not hear me on the radio. I, I'm, I'm going back to the background. Thing because I, mm-hmm. you know, like I do do a lot of things other than than blog talking, write poetry. I manage artists. Uh, I edit books. Uh, I have my own company, you know. And so a lot of things I have been putting on the back burner because I was doing so much blog talk. And it's like, hey, blog talk is like a job, you know. So, um, so I'm I'm back to promoting my my brand, you know, my my clothing line, you know, which. Uh, it's not introduced. It's right now, it's just in Southern California. So that, that that's the place because that's where I'm at. So it's not uh, – I, I put it on Facebook for people to see. Locally, people are buying my product. So, uh, mm-hmm. and, and so but, but when I, I think it's ready to go national is when I, I'm making so much – the sales are great, you know. So that's the thing that, that I'm working on. That's my next goal uh, is my clothing line. And it's not just, oh, I want to do T-shirts. You know, we're doing – so much more with the clothing line that that uh, even I'm wearing some of them. But, mm. so, 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 you know, so Wonderful. I, I have my own brand, you know, so, and it's all about love. It's all about love. I, I want people to experience, you know, just let yourself go and, 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 and let that love grow. You know, when people don't do it, you know, it's just like when I blow that line, I want to love you like a blind man would do. It, first, a lot of people didn't even get that. They didn't understand that. 
that it's your soul that I want to love. That's what a blind man loves. See, you know, we mm-hmm. only use five of our senses, but we actually have 360 senses that we, I mean, I don't even know what they all are, but I'd be, I'd be damned if I'm not going to try to find out, you know. So uh, we need to get back to that. We're so used to having everything given to us that we can't do anything. I mean, this society, uh, these young kids, I could grow food, but I bet you these young kids can't because I learned that in school. I learned that at home, how to grow stuff. Mm-hmm. These young kids, they can't grow anything. If, if they didn't have electricity or, or, uh, or gas and stuff like that, they wouldn't survive. Electricity, the microwave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't survive. I mean, light a candle, you know, that kerosene lamp, you know, these people, they wouldn't survive. That's you right. Know, I can do it on my cell phone. No survival without, skills at all. At all. I can do it like The only thing that I can't do without, and that's water. If I got water, that's right. I can survive. But, but everything else, I can make happen. I mean, mm-hmm. getting out of this environment, putting myself in another environment in order to survive, but it's a lot more to that. You know, it's, 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 it's an even bigger story. And I'm sure mm-hmm. Mr. Boston would know what I'm talking about, that, that if you can't defend yourself, you won't mm-hmm. survive. Mm-mm-mm. That's something that, 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 that as a people, we, we have the skill to do it. And, and uh, just we out there shooting each other, we should have the skill to survive. But even, I mean, the streets are a lot different than being out there in the wilderness and not having anything. You see those people, I saw on the news, I'm going to go, I'm not going to keep it long. I saw on the news that this one guy here in California, he died. He had 1,200 guns in his house. Excuse me, what do you need 1,200 guns for? Oh, no. What army do you have? You know, I'm like, unbelievable. I don't have 1,200 guns. I got a few, but, you know, it's like if 1,200, I got a little army. Mm-hmm. Mm, 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 mm. So can you wow. imagine that? <laughs> you know, so 1,200 guns in his house. Mm, unbelievable. Mm, mm. So, I mean, we're not geared for survival. We've been trained not to survive. mm Wow, and, and you can look at it. And you can see it. You know, it's not. It's not that's something right. that. That's right. That's you know, right. Uh, 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 you know, it's like, uh, and, and that's just like that's a whole nother show. Um, like that. And those are the kind of shows I want. I'm going to be doing. I don't have to do poetry. I could just talk reality and just like do you know what really what the facts are. You know, what's really going down, and that's what people need to check out. Mm-hmm. No, the world's not coming in until tomorrow, but they've been working on it for a long time. Mm, mm, mm. And that's just the reality. That's a life. lot right there. Wow, <laughs> I tell you. So, even though I, I work hard to create something, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know when it's going to end, that's why I keep creating. You yeah. Know, and and uh, and so you just continue to go on. Otherwise, you would give up. So you got to mm-hmm. keep going. You got to have something to look forward to. A lot of people don't have anything to look forward to, and that's why they're still in the rut that they're in. But that's the system that's got you um, programmed to be in that rut. In our schools, there's no way. We used to be the best in everything. Now we're trailing so far behind, it's a shame. Mm, mm, mm. They're not educating our children. The few that make it, you know, is great, but they're not going to be able to support the ones who don't make it. And that's the sadness in it because people don't care about people anymore. They only care about Mm -hmm. That's right. 
I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm done. <laughs> I'll write it down <laughs> in a poem or something and, uh, and, and share it. Yeah, uh, that's what I do. In fact, I just wrote the title down, and the name of the poem is going to be free, and maybe I'll come on and share it next week when okay. you're on. Okay. I would love that. I mean, yeah. yes, yes, yes. You Dr. got us all ready now. We're looking forward to hearing it next week. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm, I'm going to write. That's the next poem I'm going to write. And it's going, okay. to, it's going to be titled. It's going to be titled "Free," and, and uh, I already got it in my head of what it's going to be about. I, I, I think you're going to really like it. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to hearing it. I really am, yes. and I really liked okay. your consciousness piece. That was something different from the, uh, you know, man that can write love poems like no other. <laughs> To hear that consciousness piece, that was like, wow, he's also a consciousness poet, too. Yeah. Don't get you know, it twisted. I mean, yeah, you know, but it's, so many people are doing it. And, and, and then I had a, uh, one of my uh, people that I talked to, my mentor back in mm-hmm. 2007, tell me that it, it was not enough love out there, and they were telling me that I needed to continue to share what I had. And, and so I waited uh, seven years before I put out a book, you know, but I kept writing to get to become a better poet, that's why I tell people put in the work, become a better poet. I'm still learning to be a better poet, so I'm not the best poet out there, but I'm sharing, and I'm working to get better, and that's the mm-hmm. mission. You you continue to put in the work, you're going to get better at, at what you're doing, and don't be afraid to share. You know, a lot of people aren't afraid to share. They, they I, I I love to talk about the realness of love and not the fantasy part of it. Even though I may use the word fantasy in my poetry, everything that I write, I, I either done it or I want to. And that's what makes it beautiful. All right. Excellent. Well, we agree. We strongly agree. Ashe, affirmative, namaste, <laughs> Sela, all the above. I mean, all the above, everything. It's, 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 yeah. it's when it's right. It's right. What can you say to it other than you affirm it? I affirm well, it. Affirm it is. Well, I, I do thank you for letting me have this airtime. You're very welcome. That's what the show was originally designed to do, to allow artists the opportunity to have that platform where they could be acknowledged and appreciated, um, where they can acquire exposure where they can showcase their artistry, where they can acquire resource information to aid them on their journey to master the craft. And um, so I salute your pen. And um, take full advantage of using uh, the Exceptional Scribble Show fan page on Facebook as well to post your calendar of events updates. Because we I do sure. want to, uh, yes, we do want to promote you and get other people um, aware of what you do as an artist and how they can support you in that. I yes, thank you. Indeed. You're welcome. Well, we're going to wrap up. This is going to be our final uh, round. We're going to have Lady of Love, and then we're going to go to Mr. Boston and then uh, myself, and then uh, Complicated Passions will wrap it up tonight. Lady of Love, welcome back to the mic. 
Yes, my dear. We still conscious peace, peace, uh, or I can go loving. You can go whichever way you you desire to flow for this round. Everybody's just going to do whatever comes natural for them. (laughs) I appreciate it. Thank you. Much appreciated. Thank you. This piece is called All Handsome. All Handsome. Yes. All Beautifully Handsome. The frame is a delight for my vision, for I view the art of him from the inside out. When in the presence of beauty, the soul of his vision must be captured with eyes of your spirit as it casts light, cascading off the prisms of his beautiful soul's mind. I spiritually reference him handsome, for the kingly character from his head to his toes are perfumed with a fragrance from his majestic mental room. When he speaks to me, it is from spiritual guidance approving the syllable fortitude of each verse of conversation. He is so handsome. When I heard the first deposit of what I knew without a doubt to be the oration of literary of literary handsome, I lent an attentive ear to be further consumed by this verb and metaphor master finding myself entwined in the vine of his diction, the glossary of his university, leading me to his widely distributed catalog. If not familiar with his chronological order, you will find you lost. I still see handsome. The testimony of his higher self is always present. It is the backbone of his structure. The gate of his stride celebrates knowledge, and he crown tilts wisdom. Damn, indeed. Mm. Wow. I'm going to ask, what inspired that piece? Great love. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Wow. I can I can definitely say yes, I, I see that. I could sense that strongly. When you, when you can see that way, when you see that way, it, I mean, you, you know, either you know it or you don't know it. And if you know it, you have to express it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, I commend you. I commend you. Well, well delivered and well expressed. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. All right. Uh, we're going to go to Master Scribe, Mr. Boston. <laughs> yes, sir. When you say you love me, I know your man might get mad. <laughs> you say you love me, what do you really mean? Are you really sincere? What is this love without faith? I'm not afraid of love, neither am I afraid to love you. What I'm afraid of is how much power I'm giving to you. 
And then I wonder what you really mean when you say you love me. The whole of my reconstruct my emotional spiritual realization when you say you love me. Will that love be revitalizing, nourishing, positive, vibrant, fair emotions, not out of control emotions, but loving commitment and truth? When you say you love me, what do you really mean? Because when I say I love you, what I really mean is that I want you. Like no one else can that you awaken the man in me, the beast in me, the passion in me. I long for you, for your touch, your embrace, the taste of you on my lips. And when I say I love you, I really mean that you're beautiful. You're gorgeous in your low to six-inch high heels and long flowing see-through gowns and all your glittering finery, even more so in your pajamas and blue jeans. When you're not even trying to be beautiful. In fact, I love you even more without makeup when you let go and just be carelessly, naturally you. It takes my breath away like the sunset reflected in still waters or a starry night so clear you can see the Milky Way pour out across the sky. I love your form, your body, your art, your elegance. I love the curve of your neck, your breast, your back, and damn, ooh, wee those hips. You embody pure wobbles. I love how you move, your effortless grace, how you breathe and thrust and grind as one, one pulse, one pleasure, one ecstatic culmination, like a prayer, a holy communion. That's what I mean when I told you that. I love you. I love you through the spirit of my God, but baby. Do you now understand that reality of what and when I say I love you? Because it's two-folded to the end in peace. Mm-hmm. Now you got to answer the question. Now you got to answer the question. <laughs> oh, my. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me see which piece I'm going to read. Read here. The piece is entitled. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Um, it's all about what you know in your heart is true, and this is that round. Everyone to just be true to yourself. This piece is entitled. Hmm, let me see. Do I want to read that one or. Uh, let me see, let me see, let me see. The Black Swan. And the definition of beauty has everything to do with evolution in this piece. And this is entitled The Black Swan. I once was a maggot, an unrefined soul. I was in search of the truth, a vagabond needing a real conversion, subverted and void 
an unfruitful vine, wasting time. I was a withered plant, lacking substance and a will to thrive. I lacked the the drive to survive. I was empty. One moment, I just need to... Okay, I'm going to redo that. I once was a maggot, an unrefined soul. I was in search of the truth. A vagabond needing a real conversion, subverted and void, an unfruitful vine, wasting time. I was a withered plant, lacking substance and the will to thrive. I lacked the drive to survive. I was empty. I wanted. I pleaded but was not needed. A needy soul was I. Due to a lack of confidence, I had no clarity of vision, and I lacked a will to survive. I was dirty, ugly inside. I was lonely, and my heart did decline. What is the truth? Euphemisms were my choicest vices from my youth. I declined to be reformed because I chose rather to conform to the image that society chose for me. The headdress called public scrutiny became my acclaim to fame. However, I did allow the world system to defame my name. I lost touch with reality in the name of high-tech proficiency, regressing from spirituality and possessing a lack of connectivity with the divine. Unbeknownst to me, I refused the strength to climb the mountain of destiny because I resorted to swimming in the sea of insecurity. I became a recluse and sought after pity. I found refuge in the arms of deception. To be or not to be, that is the question. I chose to be a straggler, and so life afforded me the back street, back seat to success. Consequently, I became a borrower unto many, and my life choices were not indicative of a person who knows where they're going and what they should do. Living in limbo was my forte. I was at war with myself. I denied the truth, and stealth became my profile. I had no light in my eyes. The soul within me died. I lacked integrity. The propensity of becoming a beggar was attractive to me. I was without a guide, bouncing aimlessly yet engrafted in pride. I was the worst leader to follow because my words were futile. My label read, most often denied, because I wallowed in pride as a bonafide loser. 
My hands were like a hole in the ground holding any and everything. I had no palms. I had no nearest of kin to claim. I disassociated myself from the village, and so my roots were exposed, and I became uprooted. This state of being was ill-reputed. I had become nearer to death than I had formerly recognized. Somehow, someway, I resisted the lot I found myself in, and I returned to the land of the living. My words became spirit and life. I was reformed and my mind did align with my spirit. My soul was now free, free to love, free to forgive, free to laugh, and free to live. The misery had ended. My life's path was now brightly lit. I cried and I cried. Tears fell from my eyes, many tears dropping onto my lap as I tried to release the agony inside of me. The sadness eventually diminished, giving way to gladness as I viewed the bright sunshine that no longer was hidden behind the clouds of despair. Tears of joy fell from my eyes, double in number, each drop more than the tears of pain that once did collide with my clear conscience. Now my dreams are become my flight to paradise. I am airborne, heaven-bound. No more are my feet on the ground. My sleep is sweet, and my morning rise is a glory to see. I have more friends within my gates than I do enemies. I changed my life for the better, and now my eyes can clearly see the best in me. My change has come. My battle is won. My success is good. My time has come. The ugly duckling became a beautiful Black one in the peace. Illusion. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I do hope that all the ugly ducklings, if there's any out there, that they look in the mirror and see the beautiful black swan that's in the rough. Because truly that beautiful black swan is in there. And just like that diamond, it takes heat with compression to make that diamond brilliant. And so the same with us. Transformation from the ugly into the beautiful, it takes intensity. It takes pain, no pain, no gain. And if we're willing to endure the struggle, that's the pain, the struggle, we'll get from ugly to beautiful and become that swan that we were born to become. And that's my prayer. That's my hope for everyone. And it's a daily progress, ladies and gentlemen, you know, a lot of times people think it's an overnight wonder, you know. Those overnight wonders, a lot of times, 
they fade out, they fizz out. It's like the 4th of July, the firecrackers, you know, boom, 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 up in the sky. Oh, you know, you get the oohs and the ahs and then the duds. It all just fades away. And the next day, we forget about all of the ooh and the ah because it's gone. The thrill is gone. So being an overnight wonder is not the real winning solution. The winning solution or the winning formula is enduring the struggle, just like that bird in that eggshell. It's it's fighting to break through that shell. And it's through the the struggle and the fighting that that bird becomes strong enough to live. And I've heard it told that if you try to help that bird by breaking that shell for it, it's not going to live. Because it's that struggle, it's that fight that aids with its strength and the blood that has to flow through its veins and and filter that oxygen to the brain and get it strong where it's able to endure the life outside of the shell. So we must continue. The struggle is real, but we've got to endure the struggle to get to the better day. And we can make it. We can do it. If we're willing, if we try, if we never say never, or if we never say die, if we never say quit, we'll make it. We'll make it. We'll live on to the next day. We'll survive. And there will be a better day. That's what we must remember. There's going to be a better day. We may not see it right now, but we'll see it eventually. Some of us never thought we would see the day we see now. We're here. We made it. It wasn't easy. We had to endure struggle. We had to win fights. We had some battles, but we made it. So never give up, never say die, never quit, and remember, winners never lose. Not to say you may not come out on top, but you endure it, you still won because you lived on to see another day. So with that being said... I bid everyone a very peaceful evening time. I want to thank all of the guests, the creative mind artists, Samuel Rain, Master Scribe, a.k.a. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.